everyone. Welcome back to the MCU crew. Can we? Is Mar Are we? Is Marvel back? Are we? Uh, <laughs> You're, You're opening, opening with that? that. That's where I'm at right now mentally. Are we? Are we yeah, yeah, what is? is what, what is, is the, the flow of today's, today's episode? episode? Are, we are we just getting, getting into it, or what is your vibe? I was gonna say that was. We're not, we're not doing, doing news. We're just going to jump in. I think we could say, yeah, sorry for the echo chat. It's fixed. Uh, I think we could say, you know, is Mar we could say like Marvel's back and then we could just do on to go on to the news and then do the spoilers at the end. <coughs> You're killing me. You're killing me. You oh. still got this cough. I told you not to cough earlier and here you I can't. It happens. right now okay i don't like it i don't like it as much as you like it you gotta get it checked out you gotta get it checked out uh no no, no. no. we we you know we could discuss the if marvel's back thing in due time well uh we'll we'll do some guardians three spoilers towards the end you don't gotta go anywhere yet uh if you haven't uh seen the film or anything but we'll be going into those spoilers in full uh but there is a little bit of news outside of uh, guardians of the galaxy volume three and most of it pertains to the uh the writer strike uh, as that, uh, that started last week, as we talked about, and it's already impacting, uh, a handful of Marvel things. Um, last week, for example, I think on Thursday, maybe it was Friday. I think it was Friday. They were, uh, they were picketing outside of, uh, Wonder Man filming, uh, in LA. Mm -hmm. uh, I think they're doing some pickup shots there and, uh, they picketed that and shut the, uh, shut the filming down. So. That was already, uh, that was already done. Um, I think they continued to shoot. Um, but that was, uh, that was kind of, that was actually live streamed here on Twitch as, uh, Hasanabi, who's a You're big, see a lot big of that. streamer. Yeah. That's, that's how they're going to get it out. Yeah. People know what's going on and keep it in the public mind. Uh, because all indications are this is going to go on for a while. Yeah. So for sure. Get um, ready for that. It was, it was honestly fascinating to watch. Um, cause it, it was the full process. Um, someone leaked that to them, most likely a teamster, uh, which is the trucking union here in the U S um, that they were filming this wonder man or that this uh, wonder man shoot was happening. And so um, they kind of like shared the information around and Then you saw everyone jump in their cars <laughs> with their, uh, their, their picket uh, posters and they just got out and they started walking back and forth in a line on both sides of this production. Uh, and within, I think like 30 minutes to an hour, they received word that it, uh, that it, they had canceled production. They had shut it down, which is wild to see them move that fast. Uh, but also kind of cool, right? That there's like that sense of it's community also publicity, right? Like you can shut down for a day and then come it's back. It'll cost them like, money. They'll, they'll, yeah. they'll, it's still, yeah. you know, a hundred thousand to rent that or whatever for the day. Disney's been, uh, playing fast and loose with the strike at the moment. Like, uh, I saw the other day Andor is like, yes. look, we don't need the writers. We'll just keep filming. It's yeah. like, what? Bro, do not ruin the best Star Wars shows you've had in years with this. Andor is doing do that. It. It's uh, not going to end uh, well. House of the Dragon also doing that. They continued on with yeah. production without writers on set. Um, Rings of Power. I mean, <laughs> moving forward without writers on set. That one's just like. I was going to make a joke, but it was really mean. Were they I around was like, in the first, set for the first yeah, season? That's yeah. Easy I was going to go in on them, but like, <laughs> but yeah. honestly, in theory, you can, with the script you have, continue production. But in practice, 
It's tough. The whole point is the writers are there to like notice a thing or a chemistry bit and be like, oh, we should change that. We should fix this. That's how you make a show work. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Seems pretty silly I, to me, but. There's also stuff that you don't account for and you need writers on set to handle that. Like let's say you thought you were going to have rain on this day or you thought you were going to have, you know, the, this prop or you thought you were oh. going to have this actor and that actor dies or that actor can't shoot that day. And then you have writers come in and rewrite scenes and reblock stuff and, and change it. And if you think to yourself, oh, well, I've got the script. I'm good to go. Like you've now not only lost this, uh, another set of eyes that's going to be able to actually see stuff in practicality and see what's working and not working, but you all flexibility because yeah. things happen on set all the time, especially now that we live in a COVID world actors get COVID and it's like, okay, maybe they can't finish filming this episode. So we need someone to write a filler episode or a bumper episode or explain where this person went for three episodes. You need writers for that. And when you don't have them, usually what ends up happening, like we saw during heroes is you get some very strange decisions. <laughs> yeah. Was it, was yeah. it Friday Night really Lights? Was that, did that get messed Friday, up too? <laughs> Dude, Friday Night Lights too yeah. has some of the, they, Season two of I'm like a diehard Friday Night Lights fan, so I can tell you all about it. <laughs> they uh, they have a main character Landry, uh, who's actually played by um, oh god, now I'm blanking on his name. He's a super famous actor now, who's in like all of these things, and he's married to uh, someone who else I'm blanking on. Chad will tell me here. I want to say not Jesse Pinkman, Jesse Plemons. I think it's his name. Uh, is the actor's name Plemons? Um, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. The dude who everyone, every time it's like, how did this guy do this? become famous? Yeah. And he's like and an amazing actor. It's because yeah, 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 he's yeah. a fucking incredible actor. He yeah, because he's on, one of the best actors in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. He started on Friday Night Lights. Yeah, he was the kicker for the team and like kind of the, the nerd. and the. Anyways, season two, he kills a person. <laughs> there, there is a, uh, it, it gets, they go from like a show about football and like, high school and how all of like that world is in Texas and high school football to the next season, because of the writer's strike, one of the cheerleaders becomes friends with Jesse uh, Plemons character or Plemons character uh, Landry. And she's outside of a gas station and some random dude comes over and tries to uh, rape her. And then he grabs a tire iron and hits the guy over the head and kills him. The end of that season just ends. Texas football. The end of that season just ends by an episode. There's no conclusion or anything like four episodes later. Season three starts and it's the next summer. The next three seasons of that show all the way till the season uh, the series finale. Never mention the fact that he killed a kid. <laughs> like, they just forget about it completely. There's no consequences Honestly? on like his. I think his dad actually is like. Son, you killed a man, and his dad's a cop. I'll help you with that. And then that's it. That's how it's resolved. <laughs> There's nothing. I, I honestly, having watched season three of Picard, uh, I think I'm all for forgetting seasons. Picard literally ignores uh, season one the and first two. two seasons. Yeah, that's what yeah, I heard. I'm like. This is exactly, you know what? More of this. Yeah. I'm fine with, if it sucks, we forgot. Everyone we forgot. Yeah. collectively 
Forgets. The, I'm all right. I mean, when when all this writer stuff happened last week, the the Conan O'Brien episodes uh, of late night where he didn't have writers uh, were popping up everywhere. There was a ton of highlights for that. But and they were Conan fantastic. Is a writer, yeah. and a genius when it comes to comedy stuff, especially when he was doing like the like one a.m. show. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah. He could get away with anything. Well, and they let him get away with anything. They did. Like no one's gonna watch it. So that's some of his best stuff is during that. But it's also just like they timed him spinning his wedding ring on a desk. Yeah, as a yep. bit that was like on NBC or on ABC or whatever fucking network it was. It. Uh, but people ate that shit up wild. because, like, again, that one a.m. slot. It was a fun time. That was, the, yeah. the viewership was stoners and like me. I yeah, I, would I probably loved do it. that too. I loved it. Like I yeah. would probably like it's a kind of a way to stand in solidarity with the writer strike if you just like acknowledge mm -hmm. the or embrace the ridiculousness of it. Like I could totally like Which is what he you did. Know, with, yeah. with Rick and Morty voice being like, We got no, no got no writers, friends, no jokes, no writers, no jokes. Look at me, I got no jokes, I got no writers. I'm gonna spin my writing me on the desk. Look at it go, Morty, look at it go. I got no jokes, no writers. That's that would essentially be me too. what he did. Yeah. It, it's good. <laughs> yeah. It was it was fun. It was fun. He made the best of it for sure. Times do you think it's gonna spin Morty? <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty good uh, it's a pretty good Rick, to be honest. What is it? What was that? What's that last bit yeah. there? Yeah. What was it? It's not it's not a bad oh, geez. Uh, it's not a bad Rick and Morty, you know? <laughs> uh earlier today, or no, this was three days ago. Uh, Marvel, along with uh, them shutting down that um, Wonder Man set, uh, they halted pre-production on Blade. So that film continues. I, I'm sure that was just like the, are we really doing anything with this? Like, is this Honestly, really going anywhere? they had to. <laughs> they, like, you can't, they don't even, I don't know they have a script yet, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, from what I've heard, everything that they've messed with and, and done, they had um, they had the True Detector creator Nick uh, Pizzo Lazado. Sorry, I'm probably butchering that name. He was hired to work on the script, uh, but quote unquote time simply ran out um, with the negotiations uh, falling apart this past week. So, sure, they're just like, yeah, I guess we'll pick this up after the fact. Um, and then earlier today. They announced that uh, the Daredevil Born Again, which was shooting, uh, has had production suspended uh, due to the writers uh, picketing. People, I mean, Disney like, Plus series. I cannot stress this enough. If you do not remember 2008 and what that was like, uh, every TV show, the, you know, there wasn't streaming, but like every TV show you loved stopped yeah. for months. And a lot of TV shows never recovered. Uh, I remember at the time I was really into Avatar The Last Airbender, and it just finished season three, uh, which I believe is the, uh, I don't remember which one that was. It was whatever season three was. Maybe season two. doesn't matter. But it, it hit them so badly that they the next season they wrapped the show, which is why if you ever watch the complete series, it it's like random. they get to the end of their quest very quickly all of a sudden. Yeah. And uh, yeah, if it only has three seasons, originally it was supposed to have four. And so after the Earth Kingdom season, Suddenly there's like fire nation and it's like, what? And so, yeah, that's it. it uh, it messed with that too. And it happens with a lot of stuff. There was a lot of TV shows that vanished and uh, a lot of them. I'm trying to remember if it was, um, whatever those shows that came after lost when lost was really big. And then they started with like, let's make mystery shows that each episode <laughs> is connected. They had a bunch of those come out, writer strike hits. They all vanished. Yeah. I don't have a closure on 90% of those shows. I'm like, 
cool. <laughs> yeah. Love getting invested. <laughs> yeah, totally. So that's totally. happening. Get ready. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they said within this article, this was on uh, Deadline.com uh, this morning at 11 a.m. So I think this was yesterday. Um, they said, according to the sources, the show wrapped for the day after 1 p.m. Eastern with no filming done for the day. Production is slated to continue tomorrow, uh, sources said. Um, so it looks like it was just shut down for a day due to uh, picketing outside of the uh, the production, exactly like Wonder Man was. Um, however, that was in, they're shooting that in New York somewhere. Um I think they have the the address here, the studio house or wherever it's filming. So Silver Cup East, yeah. I guess, is the name of it uh, that I'm seeing here. But it uh, a lot of it has to do more, with like, uh, unions talking to one another, right? The Teamsters will will not cross picket lines. And that is yeah. like a nationwide one of the I would say I think it's the largest slash probably the most important union in the U.S. when it comes to just things happening. Right, like truckers yeah. are important. They're kind of the backbone of the country in terms of every industry. I believe Teamsters also handles um, first responders, yeah, um, and a lot of other. Like it, it's a, it's like one it's of ma- the bigger it's dock workers as well. Something like that. Y- yeah. yeah, it's huge. Like if if it's like, big. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, it's and big. and while they, you know, I think the the way that it was explained to me by. Um, uh, I'm I'm blanking on the name once again. He's a he's a guild member. Jesse, I was talking to you uh, earlier about him. Adam. Adam. From, yeah. Con- Adam Conover. Yeah. There you go. Who is uh, one of the WGA board members? He's he's in the negotiation rooms and all that. He did a bunch of uh, streaming on it all. And essentially, like the Teamsters, as long as there are two people uh, who are picketing, the Teamsters will abide by that and will not cross that picket line unless it's like a dire circumstance, right? Unless there's like. Bronze, you mentioned uh, the the medical, the ambulances want they won't like cross that line, right? Unless it's and a dire We were dire talking emergency. earlier. We were talking earlier about the directors' guild and how if they agree to join, um, yeah, that's huge. Like if they agree, everything shuts down. Like you can't, no directors on set. You can't even make a thing. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I have no idea what the producers guild's doing. I know that SAG-AFTRA is, is supporting, yeah. but I don't think they're striking. Well, I think SAG-AFTRA and the director's guild both have their contracts ending on June the 30th. And so I think that's when negotiations either mm. start if they don't resign or something like that. Um, so it, it, uh, it's, Interesting. It, it's the beginning, I think of, of uh, a longer uh, process, right? Cause in 2007, 2008, when all this stuff went on for, I think just around a hundred days or a little over a hundred days, um, the idea of like Netflix, whatever those type, you know, the, the, the industry calls them streamers, but where we come from, that means a little bit something different, but the streamers as it were exist today. There's endless, I, there's so many shows I've never even fucking seen that have like multiple seasons. And so the networks and the executives are like hoping that that is what people will go and watch. And we'll have like some sort of breakthrough moment, kind of like breaking bad did during like season two or three, where it skyrocketed in popularity thanks to to streaming. We'll get we'll get more like Korean shows. Yes, we'll Netflix more... doubled down on Korean uh, led shows. 100%. Yeah, we'll get more Korean shows. We'll get more uh, like Survivor and stuff. Really exploded during this time period. Like yeah, all I was those gonna different say shows. reality TV. Yep. Yeah, we'll get a lot of reality TV. And uh, yeah, the question is, and I think this is the big thing. Do these streaming platforms 
do they operate on the success of people discovering new stuff on them? Or is it like most things? Like, for example, the other day I was on Netflix and you're right. There's so much on there. I just stopped. I was looking around, like maybe watch something. And there's so much stuff that rather than decide anything, because none of it really grabbed me right away, rather than picking something, I just did something else. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go somewhere and do something else. And I wonder if that's going to play a factor in it, it. It could be one of those things where people only watch streaming platforms for the major releases. Like Netflix, I'm going there to see Stranger Things. And if yeah. Stranger Things isn't on there, they, I'm not on Netflix. Or they suspended the uh, production Wars, on right? That. On Stranger Things season That's five, what I'm yeah. saying. And if those don't happen anytime soon, they can say, oh, we have all this content and all these new K-dramas and whatever. But will the audience stick around? That's, I mean, and that's going to be the thing that makes them move. Right. It, it always is. It's always money. And so we'll see. Yeah. We will indeed. Well, and like, speaking of money, it's, it's interesting because I was reading this thread by um, fellow Desi Quest alum and WGM member Omar Najam, and it uh, he's a good friend of mine, and it, it kind of drew, drew to light something that I didn't know, which is that when work basically stops in winter, uh, there's like a fund to help writers pay their rent yeah. because they just get no work. The entertainmentcommunity.org fund, yeah, I think is what that is. Or yeah, there's and a that form the writers it. are the ones who contribute to that. And to me, that so these shows are making millions and millions and millions of dollars, and yet... There's a there's so many writers who can't and yet they're expected when the new season starts to be there like on on January 8th or whatever like they're expected to be there to write the new season but then every single year at the end of the season they when when because basically in in like a holiday season like Hollywood stops they're just expected to fend on their for themselves and live out of their car and then be back for the next season. And yeah. writers who contribute to that fund to help other writers get through those two months. And when you think about it, it's like some of these shows are making millions of dollars. So where is it going? Yeah. Oh, the, the <laughs> economics of it are, are super fucked. I saw like, yeah. Um, I, I, I think the WGA guild put it out or maybe it was media matters that put it out. Um, and they were talking to a bunch of writers that did, you know, massive shows. And it was like for, for a season or something like that, they would get, uh, I'll, I'll mess up the numbers or something in the data, but it was something around the lines of like, for a season of writing, um, they would get like 13,500 uh, for a season uh, on like a uh, NBC or ABC style show. But for like a, a Netflix style show, um, they would get like $24 or some shit, <laughs> like peanuts compared to what they usually There's would get for that type of shit. It's, it's very similar to the world we operate in. Yeah. There's no set amount that someone is owed. And so a lot of, even in, in our space, a lot of the like streaming writing or content creation writing, and this extends to, to, you know, streaming platforms, it's whatever you can pay the lowest amount to get. And they know that. And so they're like, there's always a writer who will work for cheaper than you. Yeah. And they use that constantly. Yeah. 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 yeah, because it's an industry so many people are trying to get into that if if like let's say like even for hosting a gaming event, if if you want a fair rate, there's someone who will do it for free. Yep. Yeah. Like that's, I mean, that's, that's very true of, of of gaming. Totally, yeah. Yeah. Someone I, I think as I have not been in the esports world in the past 
kind of decade really. Um, but in the early days of like 2009, 2010, the esports world was you work for free and there were maybe like 40 people that actually made money <laughs> and no one else did. Uh, you were always hoping for the chance to get, uh, you know, get paid type deal. And I don't think that's, that's changed I mean, much, can, but that's that's kind of in most of those style of industries. You can see it, though, in esports. Unless you're a figure that is sort of like associated with the brand. Right. Like you've been around long enough. And most people want to be that. Most people, you'll notice the faces change very quickly and frequently. Because what ends up happening is if, say, Bronze is hosting an event and does it one year for super cheap or for the exposure. Next year, when they invite Bronze back, Bronze is going to be like, yo, can I get paid this time? And they're going to be like, we'll give you 200 bucks. And then a lot of people would be like, that's so unacceptable. Like, please, I think I deserve more. I did, you know, 40 hours of work for you. And then it'll be like, we'll find someone else. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. The, uh, and that's happened to me many times where I'm like, I would like to get paid this time. And they're like, we just don't have the money for it. It's like, what do you mean? You're a billion dollar company. You don't have the money for it. <laughs> yeah. You it's liars. Absurd. It's absurd. Yeah. Um, Bronze, I believe the fund that you were referencing uh, is the same one that Adam Conover was was talking about on the stream. It's the Entertainment Community Fund. Uh, and you can scroll down, click Donate. And then for the gift designation, you can do film and television, which is mostly where all mm. the WGA uh, writers get their funds for, or their, their really income from at the moment. That's that's helping pay for pretty much everything for all these writers on strike. Um, so if, if you want to, you can go check all that out. The, that, that fund has been around since, I want to say the 1800s. <laughs> Or something like that. Like it's old. It's it's a very old old fund. I mean, it is it is what it is. It's it it explains eighteen eighty two problem here is when it started. Yeah, like explains the problem where if you have to have a fund to keep people afloat, they're clearly not being paid enough. Yeah. And the thing that is crazy is that you know you could write a script to the next blockbuster movie that's that's worldwide success, and they could have bought that script for like twenty thousand dollars. And the studio made billions and the actors made millions and the director made millions and you made $20,000 and you're just like, but I, but that's my story. It's like, it don't matter. Dummy. It's ours now. And that's how it works. It's crazy. Yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll continue to cover all that. I'm sure we'll be talking about it as most people will, uh, in the next couple of weeks, months, hopefully no more than that. hopefully we don't have to go to the next step up, uh, as they can figure something out, but we will see, uh, on the topic of writers though, did y'all see this, uh, this interview that Elizabeth Olsen did with uh, variety when they were talking about, um, or sorry, it was vanity fair. Olsen stated, uh, that the writers on the movie were not able to watch WandaVision as it had not been released at the time of writing Dr. Strange two. Um, she goes on to say, quote, it's a, it's a similar arc in multiverse event madness that is in WandaVision. She explained there could be parallel stories being told about dealing with grief and loss. I proposed to the writers of multiverse of madness. I said, do you know what we're doing in WandaVision? Have you seen it? And no, they said they had not seen it because it was not finished yet. So I had to try and I don't know, play it differently. Uh, she goes on, I had to attack the same themes in order for it to be interesting for me. I think potentially for the audience, 
I just had to come at it from a different point of view so that it wasn't repetitive. I find that incredible. The fact that like, there's no conversation happening between those writers or the, just Disney didn't step in and be like, here you go. Like <laughs> here's the lead in to this film. Maybe you should know what's happening. It is. Yeah. It's both incredibly shocking. And I'm trying to wrap my mind around the time frame because I swear to God, they didn't announce the writer for multiverse of madness until well after WandaVision was out. Yeah. Unless that was the writers to redo a script that already existed. I don't know. The title doesn't make sense to me, but the story makes sense. It is a good explanation for the fact that WandaVision played no role in that movie. And if you watched WandaVision like we did, I was insulted by the way they did multiverse of madness with Wanda's character. Yeah. I was like, that's why brought I brought down the whole movie for me. That's why I brought it up. Cause I think both of you made that exact comparison about like how WandaVision didn't impact multiverse of madness. And that's why you both had such issues with it. And here you go. This is oh, why <laughs> like, it this felt is like the it reason. was rehashing. Yeah. It felt like it was rehashing the same storyline like that we'd already seen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it apparently was, it's wild. Yeah, that's it's so wild to me. Crazy. I, I guess that could have been for like leak purposes. Maybe that's why they don't have, you know, they, they don't, they're not just willing to share the script out, but still like those people had to have passed by one another, just like have a conversation. But like, <laughs> Isn't Feige's whole job to make sure all those pieces line up. Yeah. It totally. I, what is he if you're producing the whole franchise then shouldn't you be like well it has to make sense like that's insane to me very wild very wild um and that was kind of all there was we, we there was no comments or anything from uh from marvel or any of the writers on that um it happened i think about four or five days ago so it's pretty recent um but hopefully someone chases that down just to see like what the fuck happened uh, or if they even want to talk about it, probably this is not, also but. like when you see people talk about, you know, speaking of guardians, guardians one and two and the stories and plots set up in those uh-huh. and how James Gunn was like, yeah, we were renting this one thing. And then they went another way with the other movies. So we had to like pivot and it's like, <gasps> I can't, I thought the whole point of it being under one umbrella and having like a head was so that it all lined up. Yeah. And we've come to find out that. Honestly, I don't think anyone there really knows what they're doing. It's they're pretty just kind wild. of winging it. The the <laughs> the interviews that James Gunn and and uh, I guess James Gunn he was in multiple interviews with multiple different outlets and multiple multiple different actors coupled with him in those interviews. Um, but yeah, he was saying some crazy stuff about like how so many things came to be. He was there was one where they were asked uh, something about the collector and how he came to be. And he starts laughing like pretty hard and goes like, oh yeah, that's the, the infinity stone stuff. Yeah. I made that up in like 90 minutes. I ba- I made up that yeah. whole fucking thing in like 90 minutes of writing the whole premise to all of this. That was just me bullshitting for 90 minutes and taking how all of that shit came to be. And it's like, wow, that's, that's wild to me that that's the case. But it, but it all, again, when you hear this stuff and I honestly, kind of dig the fact that guns like i love i'm out yeah i'm at dc now like i kind of dig the t because it all kind of makes sense the idea that like remember that red goop 
from Thor, <laughs> Infinity Stone. <laughs> like, all right, yeah, fuck it. Like, yeah. it slowly makes sense when it's like, yeah, yeah, I just put it all together. Took me about an hour and a half. Like, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. He, he had some really is, candid stuff. Those, those interviews are really good, for sure. It, it, I, and I don't want to put Bioware on blast, but I'm going to. Because it has this feeling, if you're in the game space like we are, it has this feeling of Bioware when Bioware would be like, we have Bioware magic. And we don't really know what's going to happen until the very end, <laughs> and it all comes together and just works out perfectly. And for a few games... It did. It worked out perfectly. And the world was like, wow, these guys can do no wrong. And everyone in Bioware got hyped up on their own farts and was just like, we are the best. We can do anything. It just comes together in the end. And Marvel has the same vibe now that you start hearing it, where it's like, we, we're a billion-dollar franchise. We're amazing. This is going to be so good. And then they hit a wall, just like Bioware, yeah. where the magic it doesn't come together anymore. And then you have like bomb after bomb after bomb, which Bioware had and same thing with Marvel where there's just after Endgame, they've, they've had a few great movies, but most of them have been bad. And it's, I think it's weird, like the Marvel magic where, and you can see it in the movies where it's kind of, they're all the same flow and they all have the same kind of like overarching structure. And it's just like, boy, Y'all need to cut this shit out. Yeah. It is not good. I think you, you mentioned so many companies. I think you could throw in, you know, a multitude of companies that get to that point. It, it's almost inevitable um, mm -hmm. a lot of the times. Um, the, the, the hope is that there is a course correction somewhere in that issue. Um, and a lot of those companies have, and a lot of those companies haven't, right? So. If we're talking, if we're on Disney, look. I don't want to wade. This is going to be rough. I don't want to wade <laughs> into the pond that is Little Mermaid. But okay. they released a footage of like Kiss the Girl, like that song on the internet. Oh, I didn't see it. And and I don't know if I saw the if memes floating around, but that's probably where that came from. Like, I don't know if they took any feedback from Lion King or any of the other things they've done. But there's something weird about a normal ass fish and a normal ass crab and a normal ass seagull singing where it doesn't look cool or fun. There's no emotion involved. It's just like a fish going, I'm a fish. I'm spitting water. And you're like, <laughs> do they get no feedback from the fact that like the lions weren't fun? Like there's, like, you can't show them. They just keep doing it. They can't keep getting away with it. JP. I haven't seen any of the color. I saw the trailer, but they, I don't know if they sang in the trailer. To be honest, I was so, uh, so busy, like laughing at the like when the Little Mermaid trailer came on before Guardians three, my audience was just laughing, and I was so <laughs> confused why everyone not because there was like something funny happening in the trailer, they were just laughing at the trailer, and so I was like, what, the, like what the fuck is that? Why is this? Happening? I, hold on, hold on, hold on. Well, I think there's we're gonna talk. Hmm. I think there's so, a lot of it, stuff Bruce. around it, but it might have been specifically they, what Jesse. Well, I also about. just feel like it's fucking nefarious to take these movies these stories that were basically public domain yeah european folk tales uh reboot to disney properties and then make soulless reboots every 10 years so your patent never falls off it is it's like it's actually like kind of fucking nefarious because 
like there's no reason these these stories shouldn't be in the public domain like right. they're you know what i mean like C- cinderella does not belong to disney yeah you know like yeah. these these movies do not belong to disney well that happened with, and uh, with the Pinocchio. originals are also metal as fuck honestly like yeah. I, I, like i think when ariel gets her feet doesn't she every step she walks on the sand is like st- stepping on glass yeah. yeah yeah it's like the real story yeah. is terrible like, um, it's awful ursula cuts her tongue out too it's like it's like really like actually metal <laughs> and there's times where i'm like man it'd be kind of cool to have like a horror version of this story but like uh good luck with disney good luck yeah yeah that's what i'm saying good luck good luck and so i don't think but they actually make these no disrespect to the people that are going to go in and enjoy it but i don't think they movies because they're like, let's make a really good movie. I think they're like, we got to maintain that we own this. A lot of it's you know? that. It is. Yeah. A lot of it's theme parks and it's shareholders. It's the exact same and, thing. Yeah. It's the exact same thing as Sony with Spider-Man and Fantastic Four. They owned it and they had to make it or they'd lose the rights to it. Yeah. And so they just produced genuinely mediocre. Like they didn't even try to make them good. Yeah. They were like, uh, put some stars in it, throw some CG. We'll call it a day. That sucks. Yeah, yeah Fox with the X Men. I mean, they're already after a while. They were just like, Moana. Hey, whatever. Yeah, I can't believe there's yeah, a live, action, a live Moana. action Moana. Yeah, that's that that's movie's wild. not even old. I think it's about drumming up. Well, we need people to be into Moana so that they'll go to the parks, and so I'm sure they'll do it's a live action rock. version of Coco. I'm soon playing the same character know? he did. Yeah, it's just you're right. Yeah. It is. Yeah, <clears throat> it is. The whole thing's wild for sure. I have not. Uh, I've not. I'll, I'll have to track down the singing. After all of that, uh, by the way, I just want to like side tangent because JP, you were talking about your theater crowd. Oh yeah. I don't know what, every time I go to the theater now, I don't know what COVID did to people, but I'm going to say it turned people into literal animals because I can't (laughs) figure out what happened, how people, people act insane now just all the time, but especially in movie (laughs) theaters where I think people watch movies at home so much. They just forgot what a theater going experience is. You were saying people were laughing. I wrote down three notes about my theater. I just want to say them really quickly. Okay. One, dude in front of me, by himself in the theater, playing a phone game the entire movie while looking up at the, at the movie. <laughs> I've seen that happen before. Yeah. This is pre-COVID. I've seen that I happen. literally was like, put your phone away, like in his <laughs> ear. And he looked at me and he was like, okay. And then 20 minutes later, pulled it back out. And I was like, dude, look, what? finish your list. But then I, I want to talk to you a little bit about TikTok, <laughs> but please Ooh. finish your list. <laughs> another, another, a group of teens came to this one. I kind of understood a group of teens come to the movie. It's a late night show. I went late specifically. So I wouldn't have to deal with this nonsense. Uh, a bunch of teens, like 15 teenagers come in, okay. are loud and rowdy for the first five minutes, get up and leave. I'm like, oh, those are kids that were dropped off by their parents. Then went to go like get drunk. Sure. I've. I'm not saying I know that's that's why that I'm not saying I know why, but I was like, oh, okay, I kind of get that. But also, yeah, okay. And then the best one: two girls arrived an hour into the movie with a tray of beers <laughs> and laughed entirely at the wrong moments the entire time. Oh, that <laughs> sucks. That would like ruin. I would, was, I would be livid. They were like, <laughs> there was some emotional shit happening, that and they're me. like dying of laughter. <laughs> That's it was man. I was just like and it 
and and, I'll, and we'll talk about the movie, but yeah. my thoughts on the movie, you would think would be heavily affected by this, but they are not. Okay. Because I literally had to hyper-focus on the movie because everything around me was insane. I don't, I, it might have been some aspect of COVID, but if, I don't know if you've been on TikTok at all or if you doom scroll on TikTok after the film's been out, but people legitimately do not give a fuck anymore and just get their phone out and record scenes as they're happening and then like talk to oh their God. phone in real time with like a reaction. And so all the big moments in the oh film are just all over TikTok with teenagers and and you know quote, quote unquote content creators just like trying to get a trying to get a, a thing to go viral. Uh and, Jesse, and it's wild. It's all over the place. I was snort laughing because I feel like you had the three horsemen of the, of the film apocalypse. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> What's crazy? Just all I'll, show I'll... up. Like, like <laughs> I am pestilence. I have my phone out the entire film. I the last, am fattened. Like, like I Scrooge. leave halfway through. <laughs> I'm telling you, the last time I went I to am movies, war. And I, I think it was for this show. The last time I went to actual, an actual theater. Was Ant-Man? No. It, oh, it, no, it wasn't for the show. It was for John Wick. <laughs> Oh. I went and saw John Wick. There was a dude that angled to me. His girlfriend's there. His girlfriend's watching the movie. He's on his phone literally going through Tinder. I was blown away. What? <laughs> I was basically watching him. I couldn't pay attention to half of what was going on on the screen. It he, was wild. That's a drama. That's a drama he was like hiding it right in front of your face. He wild. was like hiding it, but I could see because I was behind him. And his girlfriend's watching the movie like sipping popcorn. I was like what is happening right now wow. it was insane i like this city is out of control i don't know what the rest of the world is like but i don't know i think that's i don't know if that's just la but that's look i went to draft house again so here, here's how crazy draft house is is that uh the uh our, our my stepdaughter was being dropped off at the theater so aaron left right as the film started like right as the film started she had to run outside real quick and, and get the kid and then bring the, the kid in. And she had to like fight to get into the theater. <laughs> they didn't, they weren't going to let her in the theater. They were like, ma'am, the movie started. You're not allowed to go in. And she's like, but what we just went, I think she used the line. Like we had to go to the restroom or something like that. And so that's how they, they got around it. Cause what are they going to do? Say like, no, I, would, you lied. I would love but, for that to happen. Yeah. That is what blows my mind is that the tickets for the theater near me, like $22 people oh, that's are just throwing their money away. I guess. Yeah. That's what, that's what that's, draft house is. Draft house is actually 15 sure. a person. It's cheaper, but draft house straight up, like has rules and regs. Yeah. And like when the movie's over, you can't just sit out and talk about the movie. Like they have a whole thing. Yeah. yeah. This place Nothing. I heard, I was eating dinner in the mall. This place is in and a dude was on his phone talking about the movie. And I was <laughs> that like, sucks. Did you get spoiled? Yeah. Oh, I got spoiled for some stuff. I was like, cool. I want to hear what that was. So cool. I want to hear what that was. Yeah. Anyways, that's a, that's that's conversation about the, uh, the theater stuff. Uh, what else is there in terms of news? Seen a bunch of like little bits of, uh, information leaks. Nothing really like super, super credible when it comes to, uh, Jonathan majors and the potential recasting of Kang. Um, they're apparently exploring the idea of recasting uh, at the moment, but nothing is set in stone. 
Uh, obviously, season two of Loki, he's involved in that, if not like a major character in that. So I would think it's probably going to be in a post Loki two uh, on Disney plus situation where we finally start to hear, hear a, uh, a full story on that. But yeah, nothing, uh, nothing yet. Uh, there will, there will be, I, I would assume some sort of a, you will know what Disney is going to do one way or the other. If it's, if it's continuing on or if they straight up recast him. So we'll mm-hmm. expect that. I think in the next couple of months, they might honestly get kind of lucky if, if all this stuff happens with the strike and like literally all of Hollywood just halts to, uh, you know, to stop, they might get kind of lucky in that regard to where they can just say like, yeah, Jonathan's busy with some other stuff. And now we've got this person, right? <laughs> they can just like completely fabricate some bullshit. Uh, we'll see. Uh, do you guys want to know what Don Cheadle's new role is in this, uh, upcoming secret invasion show? He's a scroll hmm. calling it. He's a scroll. He is, uh, the right hand to the president. Oh, speaking of presidents, did you read that they're casting <laughs> two presidents in Marvel? Really? I did not. Apparently, apparently they are casting two presidents for phase five which i don't know what happened i guess i froze but anyway they're casting two presidents for phase phase five and i don't know what that means but one i'm hoping president doom <laughs> one of them's got to be secret invasion right because if, if james uh james road is who don Cheadle plays uh war machine if he's the what right hand to the president, president loki I'd be fine for that. I'd be, I'd be, fine, I'd be, yeah, I'd, be I, I'd love that. They've already done the vote for Loki stuff though, but like a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It at least exists. I would love, well, yeah. I would love a good, like, I don't know. I guess the president thing is a DC vibe. It's always, you know, Lex Luthor like, type shit. Is what yeah. You're president Luthor, but yeah, it could be president Osborne. That could be interesting. I don't know. Yeah, I'd be I'd be super interested, but they say they're casting two presidents for Phase Five, whatever the hell that means. Huh? This came from a uh, interview with uh, Vanity Fair from uh, Genu- uh, Samuel Samuel L. Jackson. I can find his last name and his first name. It's Jamuel. Everyone knows Jamuel. Uh, he said uh, this is a different kind of roadie, a political animal, and not you know a guy who has a special sh- uh, suit. He's the president's right hand man in this, so he's the guy that makes a lot of decisions. Some good, some bad. So. He's a scroll. Watch it happen. It He's going to kill scroll. the president. Watch it. Watch it happen. He's going to kill and replace the president. Yeah, it could. It could be scroll. They're already. They're already starting to do that spin where the director of uh, Secret Invasion is out there like, well, the bad guys are a splinter faction of the main scroll force. But the question you have to ask is, who's the real terrorist? Like that kind of like that. Like, are they the terrorists or are they the heroes? And oh, it's like, boy. okay, all right. We're going to be in that spy novel. You know, I'm here for it. I'm, Let's I'm go. about that. I'm that's great. Yeah, that's yeah, great. All right. That's fantastic. It's fine. Uh, and then uh, the last bit of news comes down to uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Uh, it earned $289.3 million globally. The film cost $250 million to produce and had $100 million worth of promotions. So it is on its way. Uh, to be in a, uh, a a major success, which I think you know it, it's the best way for James Gunn to leave and start the DCU over again with like, hey, remember that? Remember Guardians three and how well that the thing did? Well, 
Now I've got an entire thing and we can kind of do it our way over here. So that's what I'm most excited for uh, with all of that. Uh, and I'm sure it'll, we'll have news reports in the future where it crosses over a billion and, and yada, yada, yada. They will uh, continue to ride that, I am sure. But I think uh, with that, we can start our, uh, our review. Let me put up the spoiler graphics before we move forward. Because uh, we are going to straight up spoil this movie if you've not seen it. Leave this chat now. Leave this VOD now. Go. Go watch the film. Uh, because it's very spoilerable. Uh, it's it's a uh, an interesting film when it comes to that. So here's a spoiler alert. I'll put up a discussion. I'm actually curious if everyone on the call enjoyed it or did not enjoy it. So maybe we just start with that. By show, sure. By show of a, a thumbs out, thumbs to the side, or thumbs down. Did you enjoy the Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume Three? Okay, good. We're all on the same page. Great. Guardians of the Galaxy, Volume Three. Let me hit send. Let me hit show. And let's spoil the shit out of this. Uh, yeah, that yeah. film was fucking fantastic. Uh, <laughs> I was blown away. With how good it was. I can't tell if it was great or if it was just so much better than everything they put out over the last few years that I like was like, oh my God, this was that was fun. I had so much fun with that. Rather than it just being like (sighs) I will say a little bit of both. I I will say the one negative I have of this entire movie is um uh Adam Warlock has the exact same character trajectory as Modok. They're the exact yeah, same he, character. He in was films. whatever. Yeah, he was. Adam Warlock yeah. was definitely except, the worst part of the film. Except I think he was done a little better, but you're absolutely right. He is the worst part of the film. Um, I didn't sucks. mind him. I think yeah, yeah, like, it sucks because he was, like, I want... the, he was fine for the jokes, right? I think it's kind of where I'm at, but outside of I that, just want I my characters like, like fleshed out more. And in this case, Adam Warlock was like one note. And then in the end, they were like, he's one of us now. And it's like, did he earn that? I guess because he saved puffy face Quill. But other than that, you know, like I was happy that they didn't try to force a romance. I was happy that it was about the family rather than it was about, like there was a lot of things in this movie that was like, I'm thrilled about this. I love that. I love that. Let's keep this going. But there's also stuff like the one thing that I think this movie did really well. And I think all of marvel should remember this because whenever they do this it works really well give us villain time like the fact that we had flashbacks and the fact that we had so much time with the villain i was like i love this character i love how over the top he is and when he gets his ass handed to him in the end you're like that was cool as shit and i we need that and having watched through thor 2 and some of the the worst movies that, that we've done so far the villains are barely in the movie and they only serve to get their ass kicked. This was a guy who I was like, oh, he's kind of a threat. Oh, I love it. Oh, he's evil too. Oh, he does terrible things. And I was like, oh, thank God. Well, we finally have time with the villain that's fun. It It is like having the high evolutionary be more, be so easy to hate because it literally mm-hmm. just shows him like torturing animals no one's gonna be like yeah. that guy's pretty you know the high evolutionary didn't do anything wrong it's like no man he fucking was torturing animals 
Fuck that guy. Not just torturing animals. He created whole societies and then vaporized them. just like them. vaporized them. Yeah. The man was straight up playing God in like the worst yeah. way possible. There he was, was a giant piece of shit. There was yeah. so much discussion I saw on the internet after the fact. It's like, man, Thanos was like a good guy compared to this dude. This guy was a massive piece of shit. But and that's it, also what made Thanos interesting is Thanos is a character. If you're playing the game from Thanos' side, you're the hero. Right, right. You're like, I'm saving the universe, which technically, if you think about it with like Eternals and shit, he kind of was. Kind of was, but, yeah. but in his mind, he's the hero. And then this, the high evolutionary has the exact same idea. He's a giant piece of shit, and we see him for that. But in his mind, he's like, I'm perfecting the universe, right? And those are the best villains, the ones that in their mind, they're like, I'm the good guy, and you don't understand that, and that's why I have to kill you. And it's like, I, I love it. Uh... And, and it was nailed. I love the actor too. I, I will butcher his name, so I'm not going to attempt to, but uh, he was fantastic in that role. And I love the fact that uh, we're jumping ahead to just the end, or at least I am. The fact that like his own crew turned on him at the end, I thought was a brilliant touch of just like, I like oh, this too. guy's yeah. just like steadfast in his beliefs that he's willing to just be like, fuck everyone mm-hmm. else. I'm doing it my way type deal. Um, that, that really like spoke to, I think, how evil... Uh, he was as a character and also how like steadfast in his beliefs uh, he was. Um, so that was, that was great. It was very, very well acted. Uh, and it's also really crazy to watch him in the interviews after the fact. Cause you're like, fuck you, man. But then he talks and you're like, okay, you're a nice guy, but seriously, <laughs> you tortured That's some a, but it's the same thing where like, I saw the, like going back to Ant-Man Kang, the best part of that movie. Sure. But comparatively, Kang seems subdued. I guess that's kind of the point. But like, I love when they let the villains have their moments. And in this movie, the villain had their moments. And sadly, because he deserved more of a moment in Thor, the villain had moments. And I just like, we need more villain moments because a, a hero is only as good as their villain. Like Batman is beloved because of all his villains, not because he's a rich dude in a suit. Yeah. We love to watch him battle his his foes. And that I think is something that the Marvel movies need more of. Is more like good villains. I I'm convinced you posed the question at the beginning, is Marvel back? Yeah. For this one film, sure. The next movie, I guarantee people are going to just crap all over it and I promise you that villain is not going to be important. She's going to show up like four times in the movie That'd be get her ass Marvels, kicked, yeah. and no one's going to care. Yeah. Cuz she's like a nobody villain. So already, no one cares. So I'm convinced that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, I think you're right about the villain point, but I also think, like, what made this movie stand out for me was that there were recurring themes throughout the entire thing that, for me, kind of, like, all paid off. Totally, yes. And so I know you mentioned, like, Adam Warlock. For me, I, I also had this original, like, that's so weird that they're like welcoming him into the fold until I was like, well, uh, Nebula tried to kill them. At You're one right. Point. Drax tried to kill them at one point. Gamora is no longer friends with them. At one point, the Ravagers tried to kill them at one point. It's true. Like, literally every You're single right. person that is now their friend at one point tried to kill them. And so it would have been a little bit hypocritical of them to be like, well, Nebula's different. You're an asshole. So once I actually sat with that, I was like, 
yeah, that's what the Guardians is about. That is true. And for me, my favorite part of the entire movie was like Gamora goes back on the ship and the way they hug her and greet her, she has she is the same Gamora. It is that in this timeline, that family portion is fulfilled by the Ravagers, which was right. what they fulfilled for Peter. Like that scene, how excited they are to see her, the way they hug her, the way she's excited to see them. You realize like this is the same girl. She is not an evil version of Gamora. It's just the way things shook out in this timeline. You rolled the dice. And instead of the Guardians, these are the people she fucking cares about. And when you contextualize it like that, you almost feel bad for her that they like don't, they like or do everything to keep her from them. And he's like, really? You're a fucking Ravager now? And it's like, you used to be a Ravager, homie. Why are you fucking judging her for and that? He's not, and he's yeah. not anymore. used to like, be a Ravager. That- and he's their yeah. friend too. Like half of your homies are ravagers. How the hell are you going to judge Gamora for being a ravager and act like you're above that? And when you see her go be with them, it's like, yeah, it's the same girl. She just doesn't love you anymore, bro. Like, yeah. And I love I, that because I, I, it really fleshed out her character too. They did that to almost every character. Jesse, that's I what I was going to say. I think, yeah. I, I, I think the smart so thing they did here is that every character, I was convinced people were dying. And I, you know what? I don't want to spoil things, but in some video games where you're convinced everyone's going to die yeah, and they don't, and it's like happy. I'm always here for that. And I think the brilliant thing here is they didn't just like, you know, they were like, oh, we're going to move on from the Drax character rather than kill Drax. They were like, remember how Drax used to be a parent and that was like his thing. Let's give him a bunch of kids. Oh, and remember how Nebula is an intolerable piece of shit. Let's like make her the leader of this entire community. And like, oh, and you know how Mantis is like the coward? She's going to go off on an adventure of her own and like find herself. Yeah. And Quill, you know how he's always banging everybody? Quill is going to take some me time. I was like, Jesse, okay. you know what? You know what it reminded me of? The entire film. There's so much like, um, there's so many storytelling moments that is putting a bow on things. It felt like I was watching Final Fantasy fourteen. <laughs> Dude, I did, that's what I didn't want to spoil. That's what I didn't want to spoil. I had a very no, Endwalker vibe. Like, well, we're yeah, going to yeah. wrap stuff up yeah. and make you feel good about the last 10 years. And it has the exact same oh, vibe. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Where it's just like, yeah, 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 yeah sure. like, we're, we're not going to, like, break your heart. We're here to be like, thanks for playing. And I think that's what this movie was. It was sort of a thanks for the, for the adventure. For yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they they took time with things they didn't need to take time with. Like, there's no need to play the entirety of a Florence of the Machine song, but they were like, F it, we're doing it anyway. That was, like, dude, that, that's how we're ending the movie. Yeah, there, there's so many moments in the film, too, that I think, like, you can tell that in a lot of ways, James Gunn, like, put his fucking entire heart into this. Because there's so much sure. shit where he's like, the idea, I, I forget who said it, and I think it was about Adam Warlock at the end. But the idea that like everyone deserves a second chance. That was Adam Warlock. Yeah. That's fucking James. Like James was literally fired from Marvel in Disney <laughs> and got brought mm-hmm. back on. Like it, it was wild to me that they included that type of shit. Um, and in the best way possible. I love that that was included. There's, there's so many amazing moments throughout the film. Um, and like everything had like a double meaning to it. And it like there was the face value meaning, and then there was like 
you know, the, the think about it a little bit longer meaning, uh, some of it was kind of goofy. Some of it was like, oh, that's actually heartfelt. Once you think about it, like, I think the, the Groot moment at the end where the audience is interpreting Groot saying what he's saying for the first time ever, because we've been with them for three movies. When he right, says, I love you, we do the Gamora yeah. role of like, yeah. we now understand what he's saying. Yeah. 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 I, and I thought like when it, when it was said, I was like, that's pretty fucking cheesy. And then about 30 seconds later, I was like, all right, that was pretty fucking good. Like I really enjoyed the moment. That was very good. I had the exact same thought though. I was like, wait, so he just decided to talk. And then I was like, oh wait, yeah, we're Gamora. We spent the entire movie being like, we don't, what is this guy saying? And at the end she gets it. And so do we. Yeah. I was like, ah, I'm a, that's actually pretty smart. I'm curious if you guys, when <laughs> any line that Groot had, did it for the first time feel like Vin Diesel was actually talking as Groot in this film? It sounded, it sounded like it Vin sounded Diesel like him, places. right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. That makes sense. Cause like it almost made me think like, is he just in that suit? Yes. I know yeah. it's CG, but also is he just on set finally? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, all, all of it was good. Uh, the, I think like something else, this movie kind of points out though. Sorry. I'm on a little, little bit of a delay. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. Go ahead. <laughs> I may have interrupted you. Go ahead. Um, is like, it's, it, it showed us that like, it doesn't take that much. Like, like you can actually establish a lot with just a couple of lines and do a lot of justice to every character, which is, mm -hmm. I think, like, I, I was really harsh on Guardians 2. I think out of the three of us, I was probably the meanest to it. And it's because, like, I love these characters. And this was the first movie where I felt like it doesn't take a lot. And then it never felt forced. It always felt like it made sense. Like, totally. Um, one of my favorite moments is, like, uh, uh, my cutie pie, Cosmo, being, like, the Russians put me on a spaceship and sent, but they still never called me about. Like, there's a reason. Yeah, she's talking about it. Like, there's a reason that she's, you know, like it, it makes perfect sense that she would. But yet, in one line, if you don't know who Cosmo is, you now have the entire backstory. Like, you know exactly. But it's just, it's funny though because it's just like when everyone's like, just say it, and he's like, well, I would, except. Is a bad dog, and everyone's like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, it's great." Like, the thing now, you know, yeah, like, like this you, is a fucking thing now. You knew from the very beginning that that was going to be the bit, like twenty minutes into the film, and it was still a, it, it still felt great when it when that eventual yeah. moment came. Uh, Bronze on, I, on that subject, I thought of you uh, so much on this show when you were talking about Drax's storyline and how they kind of just mm -hmm. like dicked over Drax in terms of never talking about his family. And then at the very end of this, when Nebula is like trying to figure out how to talk to the kids, Drax just like knows what the fuck is going on and knows the language. And they straight up have Nebula ask like, why the fuck didn't you say anything? And it's like, you never ask. And like, that's, yeah, that's they all they had to say. And it conveyed so much. But uh, I also like that they yeah. took Drax, the destroyer and off that character by being like, you're Drax, the dad. Yes. And I was like, Oh, that was also very good. It was great. I yeah. love that. Yeah. There was, there was so many moments like that. Uh, the, the end of that film is just like one big emotional payoff, uh, after another, just nonstop rapid fire. And they were all good. I thought like every single one of them landed for me. Yeah. I think it, it, everything about this movie, I think did really exactly what it was set out to do. There were a lot of payoffs. There was a lot of comedy. 
There were a lot of bits that were like really, really well done. The bit about uh, the like the stupid employee when they would yeah. just be like, "Oh yeah, I got one of those." <laughs> I thought that was great. Yeah, there, there's the whole thing was like really well done, but they also didn't do that fake out shit that Marvel does. Like I was terrible. I'm not gonna mm. lie. When Mantis went to the giant uh, like energy eating things, I was terrified. They were going to do that Marvel bit where, like, she's like, guys, I got this. And then gets eaten. You know oh, what I mean? Like yeah. that goof. Yeah, yeah. I was so worried that's what they were going to, like, devalue the entire scene. And they were like, no, she got this. And I was like. She got her moment. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Every character did. I, I think it, it works so great there. I think uh, one of the things, like, you go into this movie, especially for people that, if you talk to people that have seen it. You're like, oh man, you're gonna, it's gonna be an emotional ride, right? Like, that's what I told everyone. Like, make sure to bring tissues. You go into this film because of all of that and because this idea that, like, it's their last ride, and you think, like, everyone's gonna die. And they teeter on that through almost every single fight. So, like, that fight where they're in the organ ship, I don't even know what you call it. Where Drax gets, like, where Drax gets shot. I was like, oh my God, is he dead? Like, and they've never done things like that before, I feel, in Marvel where you actually question if that character is dead in that exact moment. I there thought he was gone. Three decapitations in this movie. Three. Totally, yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. put it out there. This was violent. It was a super... Well, and you also... The whole face-off bit, I think, was fucking ridiculous. But the fact that it, like... Peter is in there saying, like, no, it's not a trap. It's a face-off. And then he fucking loses his face at the end. Was like, Pulls his face off. <laughs> I love that bit. That's like give a really a damn. dumb bit. That was a great bit. Yeah. He just like takes his face. I was like, but oh, when he takes his face off and they show that, I'm like, how is this like, like, where has this been? That this is the darkest shit. Remember, remember what they did with the reveal of Red Skull, where it took yeah. half the movie to show his face. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. They, they do, even in the original movie Face-Off, they don't show that dude's face. Nick Cage's face is in a, like, reflection, yeah. and it's blurry, it's so, blurry you cannot, and so you can't yeah. see it. Yeah. Like, and they were just like, no, Rocket ripped this man's face off. And But it makes sense, because when Rocket attacked him, I was like, how is this dude still functioning? Like, when what? you saw it, and too, so when it, in all the scenes before, right, you could see his face pulled, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just didn't, I just thought he was like... Was, they were like, it's part of his treatment. And I was like, oh, maybe this is like a thing he's doing. No, Rocket mauled that man. Which, in a way, I will say the one scene I didn't like, because it had the same vibe as in Jurassic World, where like the intern gets killed by the dinosaur shark thing for no reason. You're like, that woman had the worst story in the entire The one woman who keeps showing up <laughs> on nowhere in different scenes who is like Hey, I'm here to help. And she has like four lines in the movie. But at the end, when all the animals come out, a mu- an ape just like claws at her face. Yeah. I was like, what the hell did she do to deserve that? I was like, that's just what happened. Over- that's what Rocket did to that guy. Like, wait a minute. Yeah. I was like, no, they should have edited that scene out. Like that. I felt, <laughs> I was like, these animals are monsters. They're going to ruin the whole. <laughs> I was like, yeah. no, yeah. no. Um, yeah. That, that. I will say that that fight scene that happens in the hallway is probably the nicest like co-op co-op scene we've had like that since like avengers i I think aside from the giant like line avenger lineup and endgame that's probably my favorite action like i i think i need to see it again before i i say that assuredly but 
it was incredibly well choreographed. The music, uh, you know, dropped at all the right moments. It, it, it was, everyone was, got their moment nice. in it as well. That was nice. And it had like no sleep to Brooklyn. Like that was fun. But when like the Avengers theme kicks in and they all get like a hit off on the high evolutionary in that one like round circle room. You thought that was I better? was like, now nah, that's cool as shit. Like that was a great mm-hmm. ending to that story. Like they all showed up for Rocket and you're like, hell yeah let's go yeah that's good stuff i thought the hallway scene was was very good but you're you're right i think that was also like if you want to think final moments for villains that was the best like payoff yeah yeah it was it was great because he was like almost unstoppable but it's like yo bro you don't have any friends that's the difference yeah gotta go with power friendship every time yeah it's a winner (laughs) i like that a lot i like that a lot for sure um gotta go with power friendship every time that's it it's the winner every time. I'm it's curious. stronger than a shit made of diamonds and gold. I'm curious for you guys. Uh, the film is is filled with emotional moments. What was the what was the one that you guys got the vibe from in the theater that was the most emotional? And what was most emotional for you as a person, like as an individual? I don't know that I had any. I, I think the moments that were the most emotional is when, at least audience wise was when um oh what is her yeah basically i'm trying to think of her name but like the whole rocket escape scene yeah where, where lila gets shot or the the whole yeah. crew gets shot yeah like lila and floor and uh teeths yeah. like yeah oh yeah i was like Layla. the crowd Not Lila, the audience sorry. was like messed up over that uh that was that was pretty rough i trying to think if anything got me i know for sure that uh, the, the like tropey Harry Potter, like meeting Dumbledore in the white room, like right. that thing they always do in movies where it's like, oh, Hey, we've yeah. been waiting for you. That's like, that's a sucker punch. You can't do that. You I can't was, do that. Like we're waiting for you, dude. Don't worry. It's like, Oh, that was fine dude. for me. Yeah, you can't do that. That that I was like good in that moment until rocket was like, can I come? And that's when I was just like, this motherfucker. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. God damn it. God, you know, they're going to fucking say like, no, you're not now. Like, this is not your moment, but like they, the writing is very much on point. They know the exact things to say to like push you over that emotional edge. I think at so many points in the film. Also, I, I will say speaking of emotions, one of the craziest things is while leaving the theater, uh, two guys were having a conversation. I guess they were like bros watching the movie. And one of the dudes was like, I'm so glad we finally have a movie that isn't just all politics. And I was like, I was about to be like, dude, that was PETA as shit. Yeah, are what kidding? are you talking about? Say, you yeah. that That's weird. Yeah. Wild. <laughs> I was like, I'm so glad. I don't know what movie yeah, you watched, but I was yeah, like, bro. <laughs> okay. All right. That's a weird take. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, bronze for you. What was, what was like the most emotional in your, your theater and for you personally? I think in the theater, the most emotional moment was probably it's probably the same scene that uh, Jesse's talking about. Um, see, I don't think anybody thought they were going to kill those cute little animals. Um, oh, floor. <laughs> Dude, it's funny. I when definitely he, he knew they were going to kill those cute. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. definitely knew they were going to kill those cute little animals. Uh, because I was like, there's no way that in the first movie, uh, Rocket says, uh, 
when he says, I'm not a raccoon, then what are you? I ain't no word for me because there ain't nobody like me. I was like, if the, he would have said that line in the first movie if his friends were around. So pretty sure right. I knew going in, these little animals are not making out of it, which made uh, me getting attached to that walrus uh, twice as hard. Because I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, little wheelchair walrus. He's yeah. in a wheelchair, guys. He's like just like this little walrus, and and I was like, you, "There's no way anybody would shoot him. He's you know so cute." And they did, yeah. and that that was uh, very upsetting. But for Man me, blew the up most a planet emotional... of kids, like yeah, I, I think we all forgot that little girl with the with the, the kickball. Yeah, she got blown up. Yeah, dude murdered yeah. so many people. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, the most emotional uh moment for me though is actually right before that uh and it's when he takes rocket into uh that the chamber and he's like how how like how did you know how did you figure it out i made you and he's like oh you're disgusting you're a lower life form i'm not you're like a prototype i'm not taking you to the clean world like you're disgusting you're filth and i was just like Oh, like it explained so much of his self-loathing mm-hmm. yeah, and why he rejects the animal part of him. But I think but it also- that actually led to the part that made me cry because there's only one part where I cried. And it's when he reached out and grabbed the other little raccoons. Yeah, That I tear up now when I think about it. And then he puts them on him like a raccoon. And I, that's the only part in the entire movie where I actually sobbed because I was like, I think he was trying to distance himself from that because he was carrying this trauma of like, well, that's a lower life form and I'm an upper life form and I'm not with, you know, with the high evolutionary says I am because I'm not like them. I'm smarter than them. I'm better than them. And in that moment, he's like, when he reaches out and grabs them and it's the exact, they're looking up at him the exact same way he looked up at the high evolutionary when he got grabbed it, that for some reason that made me ball. Cause yeah. I was just like, oh. there's something about being a self, like, cause there's so many like self-loathing minorities. I feel like sometimes we try mm-hmm. to be like, I'm not like other Indians, you know, like I don't put coconut oil in my hair. I listen to Lincoln park, you know, like, and, and maybe I saw some of my own story in that, you know, Totally. Of like, oh, I don't, I don't do that stuff. That's like really dissy. I'm not. A, we, we had words for people like that. We used to call them fobs, you know, like fresh off the boat. And we wanted to distance ourselves from. We're not like them. I was born here, you know. Yeah. And so I think maybe a hit on that level where when you finally grow up and realize that what you're afraid of is people treating you the way they treat those people, and what you're afraid of is people being like, you know, bullying you over the same stuff that those kids get bullied over. And that you don't actually hate that. You don't actually hate. So I think like that was something about that like clicked with me on like a deep like animal level where I was like, sure, I get you rocket. I see, I see you in me a little bit, you know? Yeah. It's, it's very relatable too. Uh, Jesse, what were you saying? It also, it, it also retroactively made the scene in two where Yondu was talking with to rocket about like, I am you, uh, that scene in two always struck me as like, I knew it was supposed to be important. But it always just kind of comes out of nowhere, like Yonder's like, yeah, no, I get you, because I am you. And it's like, we've never really had enough Rocket backstory to understand that moment. I think it retroactively makes that better, because now we understand the pain that Rocket is hiding, 
And Yondu's like, my dad tried to eat my ass. <laughs> like, you know, like just crazy stuff. He's like, <laughs> no, I, I, I get you. Yeah. And so I think it makes that scene better. And I, you know, it's very rare that one movie can make a previous movie Dude, a little bit better. I would say that is a first in Marvel. Like there, yeah. there, I don't know of another scene off the top of my head and I haven't put much thought to it, but like that doesn't happen in Marvel. They don't ever do callbacks. And this movie's full of callbacks uh, throughout the mm-hmm. entire thing. There's so many conversations that are continued from a prior film. And I think that's like what makes it so good. It genuinely even the battery feels like a trilogy. Monsters. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. At the, the end. The battering eating monsters are like a callback that you are like, oh, yeah. Oh, that's They exist. Thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like it, it, feels, it feels like a complete trilogy, yes. which is something that if you look at all the Marvel trilogies, right? All the three-parters, be it Iron Man or Thor or Captain America, they're their own standalone movies. Very rarely do they tell a story that's a full circle. Maybe Cap because of Bucky. But that is not, yeah. That's yeah. not a complete like. That's not the purpose of the movies, and that I think is it, it. It's unique and it's interesting and fun to have that. We haven't had that where there's been a connector through them. Even Spider Man, there wasn't like each one was kind of its own thing, but a little bit to push it to the next one. Like the result of two is why three happens. But it isn't like now we're doing callbacks. Three was. Remember the whole franchise of Spider-Man? Wasn't that great? And this was, again, Marvel. I'm begging you. <laughs> look at Guardians 3. This was, well, it was on a galactic stage, not a galactic conflict. This was a dude who was up to no good, but it wasn't like, and all of reality will disappear. It was just the Guardians problem, and they were going to deal with it. And we need more of that. We need well, less like, and then the intergalactic federation of aliens will come and destroy Earth. Like, no, no, no. He was like, I went to Earth. It's pretty neat. I'm going to make my own Earth. He wasn't like, I'm going to wipe out Earth. Yeah. He just was doing his own thing. And we need more of that. Well, even, even I think even before you get to any of that, the film starts out in probably like one of the most unique ways I think a Marvel film has opened before with like rockets listening to creep. And thinking yeah. about how he is a creep and how he is like the outsider, how he's like, you know, what, where his mind is. And then a handful of moments after that, Adam Warlock smashes through, messes him up. And 10 minutes later, the guardians are off to save him, right? Like that's really the premise of the movie is the guardians sure. are out to save rocket. Then all the other stuff like starts to unfold as it gets into that. But like, that's the whole premise of the movie. Everyone else has like these, you're hundred percent correct. And everyone else has these like dire circumstances. And this one's just like telling a story about, you yeah. know, a bunch of people in space out to save a friend. And it works. It's a family yeah. dra- like making it simplified like that. It is a dramatic space. Thing. A planet is destroyed. Yeah. But at its core, it's a family trying to save one of their own. And I think no matter who you are, you can relate to that aspect. Totally. And I think that's what's important. And I hope that Marvel understands that, that, you know, it's, it's something that, that they haven't had in a while. Totally. You haven't just been like, oh, that was something I connected to. A lot of the Marvel properties of late aren't, you don't keep, can't connect to them because it's like, we're doing a movie, but also promoting three movies from now. <laughs> You're like, yes. Okay. 
Well, and I think it's also like they never all the bits landed for the most, and they never overdid. Like like they included like the people in the movie that needed to be in there, but in two, it's like, well, this character can't just be on screen for five minutes. I'm like, actually, they can. Yeah. You don't need to have like an hour with this character. And so you have a lot of like really small micro bits that are just like so truly good. And I like it just it made me gasp, but I just loved it. But when he throws the ball at the girl and like yeah. fucking takes her the fuck out, <laughs> that shit had me fucking rolling. Yeah. And and the entire bit with the couch, because you need a moment of levity at that point. So it wasn't just like random comedy coming in. It's like, oh. Things are getting really serious. Like Rocket might die and you're starting to feel pretty heavy about it. And then you have this whole conversation of like, well, then why is it long? It's long so that people can sit shoulder to shoulder next to each other. And they're just like, get your feet off her couch. And like, it's such a moment where it's like, yes, these are characters that hang out with each other. And it provides you the back that when they fight in the high evolutionary ship, like, it's a long time coming. It doesn't just come out of nowhere. It's like, no, these people probably fight all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When they have that huge argument and she's like, well, I know Drax is stupid, but you're always mad at everybody. And Drax is like, you think I'm stupid? It's like, it's just, you know, you feel like, oh yeah, this, this conversation needs to happen here. This is a long time coming. You don't feel like these characters have never been around each other. It feels like the world's been moving. Yes. And even the way they introduce high evolutionary, they're not like, there's a new threat. It's high evolution. Gamora's like, this guy's worshipped as a god in some system. This man has been a, like, it, there's no insinuation of doing even a origin story. Nah, this dude's been around. That's why he's a threat. Yeah. <laughs> Which was yeah. refreshing. Totally. I agree. Yeah, I agree. And, and one of the things I think is also great is that these characters that we've known through all these movies, aside from the Gamora Quill storyline, there were many times in this movie where they could have easily been like Quill and Nebula get together or and I'm, Drax yeah. and Mantis get together. And every single time they were just like, dude, no, they got their own stuff to do. That's not what it's about. They are working on themselves. And the whole point is they don't need anyone else to be good people because they're a family and they like, like being around. I was so refreshed by the idea that like there wasn't a forced relationship or like at the end, I loved that Drax was just like, Mantis, I'll go with you. And everyone's like, no, like Nebula's like, no, dude, she's doing this by herself. Yeah. And when you see the reveal, Mantis doesn't need him. She's got three giant ass monsters to take care of her. Totally. And I was like, <clears throat> yeah, I'm here for this. I love this. It was great. Um, I think we, we have to mention bronze. You, when you were talking about counter earth, we got to mention the F bomb. It's like one of the most talked about moments in the film. So we're, we're just kind of, I think repeating what everyone else has already said. I think it was the fantastic, the most fantastic use of the word fuck in a long Is it time. Is bad that I don't remember where it was? It was in, in the fucking car. Just, That's it. In the car. Yeah, it was getting the fucking car, That's Nebula. It. When she's like fiddling with the door. It got a huge laugh. Like that was probably the biggest laugh in my theater was when Nebula is like fiddling with the door and she doesn't understand how it works. And it Peter's did make just the like, guy playing on open his, the uh, fucking phone door. Up. Yeah. Oh, it distracted him enough. Nice. Oh yeah, he looked up and was like, huh, and then went back to his phone. Oh yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, I love that whole bit of him saying "push on the button" and she's putting on the keyhole. I just, I, I was like paying attention. I just, 
am so desensitized to the F word. I just legit didn't block it. <laughs> For me, I think it hit it because like I knew focused. about it. But yeah, it wasn't a big deal. Yeah, it wasn't it like the focus of a scene. He didn't say like, fuck you. He wasn't any of those moments. It was just like <laughs> a literal <laughs> friendly car. Like, get in the, just get in the fucking car. Like yeah. it was friends talking. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, these are some of the most relatable fun characters that Marvel has the moment. So good on them for not offing any of them. Yes. Even though they're like, this is the end of the guardians, the potential for like, we got to go to nowhere and see a character is there. And I love that because they didn't just like do the thing movies do where it's like, well, we're not going to have them anymore. We might as well kill them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to answer my, my if question, I can't have them. No one can Jesse Cox. <laughs> are you saying movie studios are literally the high evolutionary of film? Because it seems like yeah. that's what you're saying. Yeah. Uh-oh. They don't want to make things better. They just don't like them the way they are. <laughs> Damn. Jeez. True. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> Real shit. Tell me I'm wrong, Jesse. By the way, him yelling at Rocket, every single time he yelled at Rocket was great. Oh, that was incredible Again. acting. I was going to mention that. That, that because was Because he's, reminder, he's acting to nobody. Yeah. There is no one there acting with him. He is going all in on those scenes, it, and there is a ball in that room with him. Dude, that, that moment where uh, he's trying to resuscitate Rocket and the Rocket goes to, you know, quote-unquote heaven or whatever, the white room. Uh, like, that was probably the best acting I think I've seen from Chris Pratt in the entire MCU. Maybe like there's Yo, some scenes in Endgame. Cried. I was like, dude, he, it was wild. I've, I've watched it a couple times on, uh, cause people had their phones out and recorded that on TikTok. I've watched the scene a couple times now. I'm like, it's incredible. Like it, he legitimately, he comes across very emotional in the moment. It doesn't feel focused or, or forced or, or anything like that. It's just, it's great. It's 10 out of 10. Um, it was it was a really good moment. Uh, all of that. Oh, they're saying that, that, that was James good. Gunn's brother stood in for Rocket. I mean, I guess that's. As I think good. he played a lot of the CG stuff. Yeah, that's. Uh, uh, it's still just like, you know, Sean Gunn does that. still playing to a character that's not there. You know, it's 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 still good tough. acting. It doesn't it doesn't matter yeah. if there's a character or not. It doesn't yeah. make it, it doesn't lessen it in any way. Yeah, yeah. Um, to answer the question that I asked both of you, just so I don't get out of it uh, without mentioning it. Uh, I think the biggest crowd reaction, at least going by what, uh, my wife and, and, uh, the kid reacted to was definitely the, the other animals dying. And I like, for me, I was just kind of like in bronzes, uh, I guess frame of mind were like, I knew that was going to happen. Right. Like I knew that they weren't making it out of that room. So it didn't come as a, sh- a shock. Um, I did get a little of a jump scare when that, the, the gun went off that shot, uh, Layla, the first the first moment when that happened. Oh, I, I knew that was how I like the minute it opened the cell opened and her back was to like the background. Yeah. I knew that was happening. I don't know if I've just been, I've seen too many, too many things. Movies it was a TV great shows. moment for it to occur. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I was like, Oh boy, that she's dead. I didn't think they'd off it. Like it didn't click with me that they'd off the other characters in the same way. I was, when it happened, I was like, Okay. F that man up, Rocket. <laughs> yeah. Like that guy yeah. has to die. Uh, for me, the most emotional I got, uh, which was probably the most emotional I've gotten since most likely the end of Endgame, and maybe even more so, was uh, the whole like dog days are over thing. When that like started to play, I was like, man, 
Lawrence the Machine got you? Fuck you, James. We're like, Gunn. Lawrence, like, fuck that, you, is that a horror movie here? Are we, well, the reason, are we dancing for the re- it? I, I think it was also like coupled with the the idea of like the, the sense of jubilation I think everyone had. But it was also the idea that for Rocket, the literal name of the song is The Dog Days Are Over. And it's because his friends aren't going to call him a dog anymore. And he was like living through that of like, there's not going to be any more references of like him being, you know, a a dog or whatever creature they threw at him in the other two movies. It was like, no, he's a fucking raccoon. He's rocket raccoon. Absolutely. Absolutely messed up is because I know that song because I know that song so well. I like knew the two drops in that song or drops, whatever they are, like two chorus moments. And so I absolutely was like, why are they focusing on Drax during? Oh, it's oh gonna my drop. God, Drax is gonna dance. Yeah, that like, got me I too. This is happening. That got I can me too. See it as clear as day. I was like, "It's okay." The whole oh, moment was cute. just like ten out of ten, uh, and and it was like it wasn't like a sad cry or anything. It was just like, man, this is like really well done. Like they really you know, outdid themselves here. You know what? Also, going back to something Bron said about uh, Guardians Two. Holy shit! They must have got the note about Drax because. Every bit Drax had landed, and he didn't feel like he overstayed his welcome, and he didn't feel like he was a nuisance or just oh. like being played for comedy. He still was dumb Drax, and it was just like the first one where he had his like dumb bits, but he was fun to be around, and I wasn't like, oh my god, we we get it. We get the joke. Like They nailed it, and I was so pleased with that. Yeah, yeah. He was elevated, I think, in this one for sure. Um did y'all happen to see, by the way, that uh, Florence, the lead singer of Florence and the Machine, uh, has her watching the film when her song plays at the end, and it's like her first reaction to it. It's on TikTok. That's probably on like everywhere else now. If you haven't seen the it whole yet, damn movie's on TikTok right now, it's yeah. insane. If you, if you haven't seen her reacting to that, it's like it's pretty worth it because she's just like fucking hard sobbing, <laughs> and she's a massive fan uh to the to the guardians in general apparently and so like that that was a pretty big payoff for her i would assume um on topic of music how do you guys feel about the overall soundtrack you know with with guardians the soundtrack is obviously the big talk and i think a big draw was the third uh on the level of the other two for y'all or was it not because like you know all these songs right i saw both takes of of that over the weekend i'm curious where you guys fall what do you mean? What do you mean the take of I know all these songs? Like you lived like, through I these. I know all the songs. Well, right, but like there's I, I think with the the take that I saw was with the first and the second, they're like oldies, right? There's like nostalgia around them and there's like spoilers. The nineties are oldies. I right. hate to break it to all of us. No, you didn't let me finish. The the nineties are songs that like we lived through, right? So they mm-hmm. they aren't oldies to us. They are songs from our childhood. Uh, and so a lot of people are like, yeah, they were good, but it wasn't the same as like guardians one and guardians two that remind you of these songs existing in the first place. Whereas this is like, stuff but that you I, I mean, through. I think, you know, a lot of the songs are also ones that are kind of one hit wondery songs too, you know, like songs that you need to be reminded existed in yeah. that time period. Obviously beastie boys. Like there's some songs that are, that, I think creep but a lot of them are songs where too. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of songs in there, though, that they included. If you go back and listen to the soundtrack again, there's a lot of songs that were like, that band had that song and that was it. But it, like, fits perfectly into what this movie was. But here's the thing. I think the idea is the movie was both probably James 
and a lot of the cast kind of like coming of age vibe. Yes. Where I agree with that. he flashes it over to two thousands. Like it is a movie, like as the movies go on, the music ages up with the characters, both emotionally and physically. And by the time we hit this one, much like the audience, it's, you know, they're, if you're, if you're 15 watching this movie, you're going to know none of the songs in this movie. That's very true. Maybe. Yeah. 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 Bronze, any, any, uh, commentary on the, the soundtrack for the third one, uh, compared to the other two for you, did it hit the same? I, I never know the songs if I'm being honest. Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's great. Cause like, I, that's a completely different, uh, experience than, than me and Jesse. Cause for us, yeah, like, so it was literally like me, listening to like, like oh, the yeah, alt rock station. Here. Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's my childhood essentially. Um, mm-hmm. so I guess then did the, did you like it? Did you like the songs that were chosen? Well, some, some of them I was like a little too young for, and then some of the other ones I was like, uh, in school in India. So I, so I have like this gap uh, <laughs> in the 2000s when it comes to like music. Um, so, but I, I did like them. It did feel in a couple of places, like they play the song for like two beats and then cut it off. Mm. That so happened it with Adam a little Warlock. bit like they're trying to fit it's as many songs as they can into a movie, but that only happened a couple of times where they will like play it for like two minutes and then it cuts and then they're on the spaceship or they play it for two minutes and then it cuts. And then they're doing something else. Um, even that scene on the bridge. Oh gosh. Okay, the battery for that light's dead. Um, but even the scene on the bridge where um, Peter Quill is like listening on his Zoom, the song plays for not very long at all, and then it just shuts right off. So there are oh, yeah. parts what of it that I was, was like that? a little confused. I don't the, remember the song? the song. I just remember I was vibing, and then it like turned off like right away. Oh, <laughs> what is the name of that song that? Um... Was that the Toadies? It's like song? early two thousands, and it's by it's like a San Francisco band. Like I left my bah, bah, bah. like that song plays for like point two seconds when uh, Gamora is flying the ship to save everyone. And, oh, yeah, when she turns the the ship on. Right, Mowgli, Mowgli, Mowgli. That's oh, the name of the band. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that yeah. played for like two seconds. And I recognized it. And was like, are we gonna get like some some like fun rock and then it was done like instant done i guess it's not even rock i don't know what the hell that genre is it's it's, it's, it's like it's it's alt i think alt rock is is proper uh for that type the of one stuff. that's i left my heart in san francisco is that the name of the song yeah. whatever it is something like that it's been a while yeah the Mowgli's. Um, yeah yeah i'm trying to think like what my it, it was really weird to have back or backstreet boys jesus christ uh no sleep till brooklyn again um, especially after seeing that in the, the uh, Mario movie, right? Like they, <laughs> it's wild how the that Beastie Boys like, and that they're also in like uh, they're also in Marvels, uh, the Marvels with Intergalactic. Like the the Beastie Boys are kind of all over right now in in popular uh, cinema. So that that's because the Beastie Boys. Hey, JP, <laughs> that's oldies, dude. Yeah, totally. I, I'm just saying it's weird that they're all like coming back now. Uh, these new boys, that'd be 30 years old. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. They're still good. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Yeah. Still good. Well, dude, if you want to, for me, the, the, you are old moment was scrolling on TikTok, and someone made one of those like hyper emotional TikToks of them sitting in a theater when they're like 14 and, uh, the first guardians in like 2013. And now they're 24 
for this Guardians coming out, I was just like, this motherfucker, like, fuck you. You fucking you know what? Bless. They're still they're still a kid. I, I can't if you're totally, like twenty two, I'm still, like, look at this child. But still like <laughs> I got no patience. I'm like, look at this little boy. Yeah. No, I don't deal with these children. Abby. Still relatable. Come to me when Abby. you're in your thirties. Still somewhat relatable. <laughs> um Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think of any other moments we need to uh want to bring up uh throughout the film, but then we gotta rank it, which will be the uh I think film. I really enjoyed both post credit scenes because they didn't imply anything like first post credit scene is literally just, Hey, we're new guardians rockets in charge, but like the crew still here. We got one of the kids from the, you know, we got Jube Jube kid. And then we got, that's uh, apparently uh, Fyra, I think is her name. Like people figured that out in the credits. She has a name and Fyra is a big comic book character. I think is who it is. And then uh, Phyla is big. Everyone is saying, all right, yeah. yeah and Phyla. then um, yeah. Adam Warlock, which is, you know, that's awesome. Makes sense. Hopefully they do more with Adam Warlock. And uh, I would love to see Adam Warlock and Thor have a conversation, please. That shit would be hilarious. They didn't, they didn't go into his power level at all. and But they, they kind of implied how like ridiculous he is in a lot of ways. But when he goes to save Peter... And he does the like Michelangelo figure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, all right, that's pretty fucking cute. <laughs> like that makes a lot he's, of sense. I, love I mean, he's like one of the most powerful like, explained characters. It though, yeah, yeah, because like I had that thought too, like coming into it, where I was like, what are they gonna? How are they gonna deal with Adam Warlock? Like potentially be able to kill all these characters. The original wielder of the Infinity Gauntlet, like, yeah. And if Peter Quill were to hold it, he would disintegrate, right? So there's like definitely a jump up in power there and i feel like they handled it really well where they're like he got he got taken out of his cocoon early so he doesn't really understand anything and because of that he like fights with no tactics he's very much like an angry toddler like he reminds me of like my nephews that are just like "Mm," you know they have like that every time he would get up from being knocked out he was just like I'm going to cut, but there was no tactics or like, I'm looking forward. Like next time we see him, he's probably going to be more like, I'm Adam Warlock, last of my kind. You know, he's probably going to be like kind of a completely different character instead of like, why you help me? Yeah. Yeah. Even (laughs) then though, he almost killed the fucking guardians. So real quick (laughs) though, shout out to Le meme dealer in my chat (laughs) for just putting the nail on the head. Deal us some memes. The painting that they are mimicking is called The Birth of Adam. Yeah. And it's funny and fitting because it's literally the birth of the Adam Warlock we will see in the future. Right. Yeah. That's smart yeah. as hell. Yeah. That's Dude, smart there's as so hell. much of that. Yeah. There's so much of that, like, on the nose, just like smart writing uh, throughout this film that doesn't really exist. Uh, it, it was wild because listening to the two of y'all talk about all your criticisms rightfully so I'm not saying they were incorrect or anything of other films and, and characters and bronze specifically the Drax moment where I was like, damn, she's kind of right. Like they, they did do a disservice to Drax and kind of Batista. I felt like there's so many times in this film where the actors are on screen and not the characters, but like that wasn't Drax at the end. That was fucking Batista saying you didn't ask me because he got like dicked mm-hmm. over for the entire series. Uh, and, and I love that that was included. Stuff like that, that's like it feels like it's like 
I, I think that's why I don't have a lot of critiques to this movie because I feel like they watched the show. <laughs> that's what Everything I'm saying. I yeah. complain about. So I never want to hear from you in the chat again that I'm a negative <laughs> person because everything I complained about, they were like, we're going to just give this brown girl like whatever she wants. So she stops <laughs> making these videos talking about how she, how much she hates her movies. Because I'm like, no, that, that movie slapped. Yeah. That shit was fire. Yeah. I've, it has I been a complain. long time since I've been like, I'm going to buy another ticket and watch it in theaters again. Do you know how long it's been since I've done that for a Marvel movie? Sure. It's been a long ass time. Yeah. Right there I do you. have a complaint though, and it's an angry complaint. <clears throat> Post credit mm. scene two. Very nice. Just Peter doing his thing, living on Earth. A little newspaper Fine. thing. That's pretty. But that newspaper what? had the audacity to have uh, uh, Kevin Bacon yeah. tells all about his alien abduction. And what it should have had is. Man, Man in the, in the ocean? ocean. <laughs> Jesse, that's I, old news. That's that was already on I TV. Feel so and vindicated. I feel so vindicated the fact that this week on Twitter it came up again. They're like six movies later, no one's talking Wait, about the Man on. in the Ocean. Wasn't it on the TV and Spider Man? Didn't they didn't they have a report was, in No Way Home? It was home? on like a uh it was on the side thing, like a, like a sidebar. And it was like but it was on a conspiracy website. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And they that was She-Hulk, I think. Oh, ocean. that was She-Hulk. Okay. Yeah, that was She-Hulk. For some reason, I thought so it was like mentioned in No movies, Way Home. So, like, six movies, no addressing it. One TV show, half a second mention. That's funny. Like, that's... The, at it, least they could have done is continue it in the background of, like, you know, have it on the newspaper or, like, build up to something. No one's addressing it. And uh, we just watched you, that movie. That dude is the size of of continents you can't have it both ways though you can't have it not uh tie into anything else in the mcu but also mention the man in the ocean right jesse you gotta pick your battles there they were tying back to the the christmas special that's all they were doing yeah no i get it i understand and i you know i like what they did with stuff and they even the thing i'm curious about is the um end of that post-credit scene where it's like Star Lord will return or whatever it said. The legendary. Did a flash star, to white. Yeah. yeah. And then that's different. That's unique. I don't know if that means that the character is coming back or someone else is going to take the title. Um, I mean, there were a lot of interviews talking about like Chris Pratt and 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 what his future is with with Star Lord. Um, and the way that he talked, it seems like it's going to be him, right? Like he he said a lot of like. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what, you know, what star Lord is going to be up to. Uh, I do know that, uh, while I haven't seen anything yet, it's going to be really weird to not have like James be who I'm talking to about all of that. And so we'll just have to see is kind of where they left it. So I will say as somebody that at one point was a huge Chris Pratt fan back in the parks and rec days. And then became not as much of a Chris Pratt fan. Um, it kind of a little bit hats off to him because people did not want him in Mario. Yeah. He had become a meme. Everyone's like, he's in everything. And he kind of served in, in everything. So, I mean, I don't know. That's, that's kind of wild. Cause it's, when you go in, it's full circle. For a man's dude. Failure, that man is currently yeah. in the top two grossing films in the world right now. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, and he did a, I would say he did a pretty good, because when he was announced as the voice of Mario, he was getting clowned. Yeah. Was bad. And then all of a sudden he's like, 
people like that movie. They like his performance. Like he kind of made a little bit of a comeback. Yeah. Uh, and in a lot of ways too, I, I, in all of those interviews, I felt like it was, it was like the, the pre like, I'm a shitty husband, Chris Pratt, and all the interviews. Because man, he's—I don't. Did y'all see the one where they're talking with James Gunn about how James Gunn had a, uh, you know, the the slow motion scene where they're carrying. Uh, yeah, and James Chris. would let people come in the office. They, they yeah. come in and take a photo. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. It was it was uh, James goes. Yeah, I would. I kept the uh, the the like body uh, double of of um, of Chris in, in the office, and I, and people would come in and scream. And, and that's right. They come in and scream and that's Chris right. Pratt like starts laughing. He goes, they, they do what? He goes, they would, they would he's come, like, in, they and come scream. in and scream. And he goes, no, no, no. But like, what would they, they would, they would come in and scream. It's like very awkward. And he's like, oh, you're saying come in and scream. And then Jam- James like, like when finally James gets, gets in and starts <laughs> laughing. It's so funny. He loses it's it. Like, it's fucking funny. He's <laughs> like, they'd come in yeah. and scream. Yeah, it's so fun. It harkens back to the uh, the Parks and Recs outtake where he's talking about Kim Kardashian uh, and the comeback yeah, comebacks, <laughs> which was yeah, another like it, classic like, one. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah, it kind of sucks that he's like not necessarily a great guy, like <laughs> yeah. outside of acting, because it's like, man, you make me laugh, and I, I it's upsetting that you're like kind of scummy. Yeah, yeah, so. It uh, it was it, everything about the film was good. I, I don't really have any other commentaries about it. Um, I don't know what it was, but did Nebula's arm become like the god weapon in this film? Yeah, she said that uh, Rocket. They like made it. it, it yeah, it mm-hmm. it looked very much like the Destroyer from the first Thor. Um, but I don't know if it was like just rocket tech if it was like rocket tech with stark tech or, or they did like go into the specifics it seemed like of it, it was going to be some like that like rocket stark when it first started moving i was like oh that's stark tech yeah but then they said rocket made it so i'm like all right whatever yeah yeah it it was that was wild to me because it was very very strong like she was just firing like metroid level charged missile <laughs> type shit outfit it was badass Ooh. it was really cool yeah, that was great um how about Celeste, uh, Sylvester Stallone? I thought it was fine. I thought like they they did they basically brought every character that they ever introduced apart from well the collector's dead, right? Thanos killed the collector. Yeah, collector died. Yeah, so I guess he's dead. But like Howard the Duck was at the uh the poker table. The um, one uh vendor, not vendor, but shopkeeper from the first movie. He who was at the poker the table. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was there. Yeah. Yeah, they, they like Nathan even the um, had, um Nathan Fillion who and he was a great cameo in the first movie and the prison they brought him back in mm-hmm. a role where he's wearing armor that looks like it's out of an organ the fifth element yeah oh that whole that whole air, that ship was just like straight out of fifth element even down Super to the hairstyle yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah but they even brought back the uh in Endgame when they're opening portals. The Ravagers come through a portal led by that weird, like, yeah, the too sorcerer soon executives dude. And they brought that guy back for this one. He's opening portals and letting them through. And I was like, okay. And then they even gave him a character because they they show you during a scene, he cannot speak because he doesn't have a mouth. So he, like, symbols a thing for Gamora when Gamora returns. And I was like, they just made this character <laughs> interesting and exciting. Mm-hmm. And they did nothing with this character. I was like, that's. 
It's you cool. know they cared about this movie. They didn't just like put it together. Yeah. Like every character had a thing. Yeah. I was like, okay, that's cool as hell. Um, yeah, for me, the the like my end all thoughts, and I tweeted this as such uh, the night after getting home from the the film is like, bring on the fucking DCU because if like James puts all of this effort into that, I really can't wait to see what happens in the DCU now. Uh, it's going to be, if, if it's on the level of this and like he gets, he is as hands-on as he was with this, which maybe he won't be. I hope that all of that stuff is just completely fire. One of the things that I think I can't tell if I love this about James Gunn or it potentially could be annoying, but at the moment I love it. Um, it's the same thing that Christopher Nolan does when he finds an actor. If he likes that actor, he will find a role for that actor. Yeah. I saw a lot of that on Twitter. Yeah. And James Gunn does a lot of that here where if he likes an actor, he's going to put them in everything. And there's some cases where, um, it's like, oh, okay, well that's like the one character from this thing. And there's another, and he'll keep recycling them. Like, uh, the lady who was the comms woman in the, uh, in the like flesh factory. Yeah. Like, isn't the comms woman lady, the woman also from peacemaker. Yeah. It's his wife. And so like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, all that stuff. But at the same time, he got the woman who is Borat's daughter yeah. from the most recent Borat movie to be the dog voice, which, by the way, was very good. And I think because that voice was very good and she can do, like, a great voice acting thing, she's now in Monster Squad doing a voice. Yep. And so I'm like, okay. So it, I like that he finds talent and, like, moves around. But that's also one of the inherent flaws with Hollywood. And casting in general, yeah. where if they find someone who's reliable, they stick with them until they use them up. And then they're like, all right, thanks for sticking around. And so, yeah, I don't know. But we find you boring now. <laughs> yeah. It's really what it is. And it's, it I mean, happens. That, look, it happens in voice acting all the time. The high evolutionary like, was in Peacemaker as well, Jesse. You know that, right? Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. Was, the, uh, he was the boss. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah I just, I, it's one of those things where, like, it's very clear that. James Gunn has that sort of Nolan vibe of like, if you give me performance, I'll bring you back. Right. And it's cool because sometimes it's awesome and unexpected. Like, Killian Murphy is all over Nolan movies, and now it's just Oppenheimer. And it's like, look, I expect Oppenheimer to be amazing. So, like, I don't hate him for it. I know he has an amazing actor who can do it, but it's also one of those things that's like, <sighs> I bet there's a million people out there who could have been Oppenheimer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, James Gunn actually responded to this exact, uh, type of commentary boss logic, who is like, a an artist. He does a ton of different things. Uh, he's, he's all over Twitter. He's done a bunch of like just random ass art for Marvel. That is fantastic stuff. If you've never seen it. Uh, he tweeted out, people are mad seeing James Gunn having returning actors in his movie. Um, and the thing I love about Adam Sandler's movie is his returning actors, his friends. It makes his film feel like their own universe. If I was to make movies one day, I do the same. And, and James Gunn responded to that and said, uh, Preston Sturges, Clint Eastwood, Scorsese, Robert Altman, Tarantino, so, so many more. We work with the same actors because we know yep. how they work, how they tick. We develop a shorthand. We know they're reliable, good people. The same way I work with the same production designer, same costume designer, DP, AD, et cetera. I get what he's saying. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, it's the reason why when people think of like 70s and 80s mob movies, 
or like 60s mob movies, you're thinking the same four actors, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. uh when you when you when you think of westerns, you're thinking of the same actors. It it's yeah, it's it's a thing that's always been that way and will always be that way because one of the worst parts of pre-production is having to cast people you don't know and you don't know if they're going to work. But if you know someone's going to work, you know they're going to nail it because they've done it before, it's easier. But it also, I think, is one of the worst parts of Hollywood because while I completely understand it, it also is just like there's so many people oh, out there who are talented yeah. that are just like completely overlooked because they weren't friends with the right person. You know what I mean? Yeah. kind of sucks. It, uh, they were talking in more interviews. Uh, Chris Pratt was talking about how Guardians 1 – that was the last film that he ever um, had to go in and try out for uh, and mm-hmm. read for. Um, and he also talked about with, uh, with Zoe Saldana, how she was already an avatar. And so she had the ability to like, look at the film and think like, yeah, maybe I want to do that. Maybe I don't want to do that. Right. Like she had the option to, cause she was already super giga successful, but Chris right. Pratt was like, I didn't have that option. Right. Cause that same week I was, uh, I was on, I think he said I was on board to like be some dog, uh, food, uh, spokesperson for $500 a week. <laughs> Let's <laughs> not like, forget. That's wild. Going back to parks and rec, just going back to Chris Pratt. Let's not forget. Chris Pratt was a fat dude before the first. So movie. we talked about that. Yeah. The reason he got in shape, do you know what film it wasn't for guardians one? I mean, he did get in shape for guardians one, but he got in shape for zero dark 30. That's right. He was the bearded uh, dude in Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah. Yeah. And the I watched a lot of fucking press interviews. You could tell. He said that the reason that he got in shape for Zero Dark Thirty, or sorry, the reason that that uh, photo of him in his underwear ripped out of his fucking mind showed up is he went on Ellen, and his brother said, "Dude, you got in like crazy shape. Why don't has anyone seen that photo before?" And he said, "No." He goes, "Well, you're going on Ellen. Why don't you take that photo with you?" And so he took that photo and he showed himself like super fucking ripped for the movie that got Marvel to notice him. And, uh, when he sat down with James Gunn, James Gunn showed him that photo and said, like, can you get in this shape again? Or I think it was Kevin Feige uh, showed him the photo and said, can you do this again? And he was like, how long do I have? And he goes, you got six months. And he goes, yeah, I'll do it. And then they hired him because of that. And like that type of shit is just wild to consider all the coincidences that led to the success that is now Chris Pratt. It's like giant, but it is that like superhero look. It's like that, that overly tone, super ripped. Hugh Jackman is like 45 and looking ripped as hell vibe. Yeah. Where then we see what they actually did. It's like, well, before every scene, we wouldn't drink water for a day. And you're like, whoa, (laughs) like, okay, dude. Yeah. I've seen that, that clip flowing around. That shit's wild. But yeah, it, uh, I think that's it. So you get this gig in the... I I think that's it. Sorry, I was playing uh, Bradley Cooper. By the way, Bradley Cooper, all over the press for this film. Showed up to another red carpet thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Even though he's not in the first half, really, it's his film. Yeah. Like, it's about his character. And they even, like, literally spell it out at the end. Like, the Guardians is your thing, dude. It's it's wild, too. Uh, I had this pointed out to me in, in some comment, maybe it was on Reddit or somewhere, um, that if you go back and watch all of the slow motion walks, Rocket is dead center in every single one of them since the first Guardians, hmm. which is kind of like the the hats off. It makes to like, sense because he's the smallest. Right. I, right. In building order. But it also like 
the idea that he's the main character of this trilogy is is true from the very beginning, right? Like it it was. I don't know if that's a happy circumstance or if that was the point from the very get go. Like you just said, uh, with with it being like the design philosophy of how those characters walk together. Um, but yeah, it was it was fascinating for that. So I feel like it's one of those things where. You know, the team went back, watched the other ones, and was like, what can we pull from this? Like, that kind of vibe. Because, yeah, I have to believe yeah, what story Bronze is right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, there's no way they thought during the first movie the last film was going to be the Rocket story. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, even someone asked James Gunn in an interview, like, did you have this all planned out? Was it, and, Like, you can see he's trying very hard to be like, you know, he doesn't say it. But it's very much read into the way he stammers and tries to like come up with the answer that like, no, there's no way they thought this all through. He was just happy to get one movie. Yeah. I mean, the first film was was laughed at initially. I mean, you go back and look at people when that was announced. They were like, "Who?" it was exactly what that film is. Who the fuck are the Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Right. They basically turned that into a film, uh, which is, again, very well done. Um, I I enjoyed that so much uh, that they just take what people are saying about so many different things and, and say like, no, fuck you. Like this is actually, <laughs> this is actually what we're doing here. Screw all you. We're going to make a fantastic movie. And they, they set out to do that. And I think succeeded. So, and not only do they make a fantastic movie, they make characters that are instantly likable to the point where in infinity war, the biggest applause besides Spider-Man was when the guardian showed up. Yeah. Oh, they're, they're the, by the far biggest. biggest applause. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, I saw a lot of commentary from just a ton of different people on the internet. Um, not like content creators or anything, just moviegoers fans. Mm-hmm. They were like, man, it's weird that like, this felt like the end of the MCU to me that like, I don't have to go see another film after this, that it's done <laughs> more so than like Endgame did. And I'm like, fuck, they're kind of right. Like this did feel like the culmination of the quote unquote old guard of the MCU. Because now apart from like, I guess rocket and star Lord, there's very few people that are like moving forward from that era. I guess captain Marvel could be included in that, but I would say she's like more new era than she is. Uh, you know, the, the OG era. Um, yeah, she came along a little too late to be OG, but I think the like yeah, I it's the big problem. I think people are right and that vibe-wise and feeling-wise, it feels like sort of a cap on another part of the original sort of lead up to Avengers and Endgame and stuff. And now that's gone, it's again we're back in that space where again, when you asked, is the is MCU back? I don't think any of us can say that because the next film I know is going to get trashed. It doesn't matter if it's the best film ever. It's going to get destroyed. Yeah. The Marvels will hundred percent without question. Yeah. And so then after that, we don't know what's happening. And most of it is new stuff. Like we're getting brand new characters, brand new stories, all leading to something that at the moment (laughs) may not be a thing. Kang may not be a thing. Totally. We don't have a clue. We don't know. Um, Brandon Davis, who is, I think he writes for comicbook.com. He's on phase zero. He's, he's a very well-known name within the like interviewer circuit of, uh, of Marvel. He had a tweet that I, that really resonated with me. Um, and it was uh, quote, there was a time when an Avengers movie 
would have had me unreasonably excited no matter how far off it was. 55 plus hours into the multiverse saga and Avengers, the Kang dynasty and secret wars just don't have me on the edge of my seat in a real way yet. And I was, Mm -hmm. that's like, that's exactly how I feel. And I think a lot of fans feel that way as well. Um, And this was like, this was a little dusting, a little inkling of like, this is what the MCU was like during its heyday. Uh, So it's also because the, the, even though, Kang as a singular character in Ant-Man was good. And honestly, the best part of that movie, the Kangs we got at the end during the post credit scene were ridiculous. To me, that's a million Kangs all doing like, yeah, 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 are not threatening, not cool. (laughs) It was goofy as hell. And I hated that scene. And it's supposed to be like, oh my God. Our heroes are really in for it now. If one Kang can do so much damage, imagine them all. I'm like, those guys are goobers. I don't want to. I yeah. am not worried about them at all. I'm not a fan of like using the the greatness of one IP or the one uh, creation to shit on another one. But I'm going to do that exactly right now. That that scene, the extra credit scene, that felt like something that someone in Guardians of the Galaxy would make fun of. It felt like the taser face. Of like, yes, <laughs> of yeah. guardians. It was goofy. Like it was so stupid, so stupid on so many levels. Uh, that's the type of thing where it's just like, what if we just blipped fucking quantum media out of existence, or maybe kept the like uh, the the Michelle Pfeiffer moments with with King, and like everything else in the film is just like whatever, it didn't happen. But the moments with Michelle Pfeiffer and King were pretty good. So oh. it was ridiculous. Anyways. You want to rank this film? <laughs> we got to throw it in. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. We got 32 films now in Woo. the MCU. But first. Phase five it. Phase five. Number one. Easy. Number one. Easy. Easy number one. <laughs> yeah. The yeah. easiest number one phase five the Easiest ever. ranking we've ever done. Yeah. The easiest yep. ranking right there. It's number one. In phase- Wait, why did it save, Barry? What are you doing to me? Barry. It's not saving. Uh-oh. Ant-Man and the Wasp refuses to be number one. It refuses. Kang is fixing it in the future. Um, Anyways, where are we putting it? Number 32. Guardians Volume 3 is at least above Guardians Volume 2. So So it's it's at least above 18. Yeah. I mean, we have to agree on that. Let's just go. Let's go movie by movie. Wakanda Forever. Is it better than Wakanda Forever? Uh, I'd put it at 10. I'm just going to say that. I'd put it at 10. Okay. Is it, I think it's, it is better than Wakanda Forever. Better than Ant Man. Uh, I say yes. Bronze yeah, says I think yes. it's better than Ant Man. Better than Multiverse it's Madness. Better than Mul- yes. Madness. Yes. Captain America. Multiverse the first Madness Avenger. shouldn't even be that high, but that's a conversation for we'll another have to watch, day. We'll have to watch. We're this rewatching stuff again. it. Yeah. We're going to rewatch it. Uh, the first Avenger. I think yes. Yeah, I think it's better than Civil War. Same. Shang Chi. Yes. Um. Sure. Black Panther. For me, yes. That's a tough one, but for me, yes. I don't know how much of this is because of like work that the first Guardians did, but I still think, yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah. Here's the thing. If, if we want to jump ahead, I think it's the best of the trilogy. What? I still think the first guard. I think the first Guardians hits in ways that this movie <laughs> did not hit. The yes, first Guardians is, no, is better. No, it's you're better. smoking crack. The first one is better. I agree. Yeah, the first one's better. I will we'll have a disagreement there. I'm not gonna lie. I think 
I think I kind of enjoyed this more than the first Avengers movie. Here's the thing. How do we how do we rank or include the emotional moments that pull from this movie? Do the emotional move uh, moments make them oh, better yep. than we other agreed films? We look at these singularly. We agreed we look at them as a single film. Uh, oh wait, no, we went against that because we yeah. picked Spider-Man: No Way Home as number one. You're right. We have to include all the connectors. It's part of the film. You're right. We did change the rules. Yeah. Honestly, I, I think I think this movie did more for me than the first Avengers film. The first Avengers film was great. It was a payoff because but, of the lead up. Right, 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 right. I would be fine putting it at like if we're gonna agree, I'd be fine sticking it at ten, and I wouldn't be too heartbroken about that. I think um, that's high. I think it could be higher. I think it could I, be higher. I'm thinking. I think this was, again, I think this was the best Guardians film. And I think this was better than Ragnarok. I might, I might, I might agree with you that it's better than <coughs> say like Iron Man. Well, there's, it's so wild to think about the beginning and like <laughs> where, like those, that's the fact that those are part of the same franchise or like mm-hmm. is my brain kind of breaks a little bit. That's, that's outside of the kind ranking. of wacky. Yeah. 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 That's out. That's, that's outside of the ranking, but like, fuck that's, but man. I think bronze said 10 and I would agree anywhere around that. So like, I'm fine with it being 10. I'd be okay with that. I just don't, for me personally, it's not better than Avengers, but that's just for me personally. Okay. And then dem- democratically, if it's not better, sorry, if it's not the best guardians, but me and Jesse do believe that it's better than Avengers and bronze doesn't, then we're at eight, seven. So is it better than Iron Man? It's tough. Cause Iron Man's a different, like it's a different film. Like it is, they're so not even, you're right. They're not even like in the same galaxy of cinema. It's, it's wild yeah. to think about. I mean, if yeah. you really think about how different those films but that's are. What, that's what the potential of Marvel of the MCU should be. Yeah. Where they can tell different stories in wildly different ways. Instead of when we all get done with the movie and we all feel like we watch the same film again. Like that's yeah. insane to me. When you look at the, the disparity between these two films and then you're like, yeah, the last couple have felt samey. That's nuts. It yeah. shouldn't be that way. Yeah. Uh, I, um, I think for me, Iron Man is better because the scope of it is a little bit like it. It's not as long. And I feel like it has a more concise plot. It's more of like a, it's like a blockbuster in that sense. Yeah. It's like a mar- summer yeah, blockbuster. Yeah. It okay. feels like you're going to see like a born identity movie in some way i think it and for me that is just a genre that i i like you know i I like coming into that and and having like a and then the other thing which i rank i weigh heavily this category is like rewatchability i once again i could see myself rewatching iron man a lot this one is it it for me is like yeah i would rewatch it but i don't know there's parts i would definitely fast forward through um, including the part with the war pig. I wasn't that, that was a part, a very small part where the movie kind of dragged for me a little bit because I knew where we were going, but it was just a matter of getting there. Um, oh, the fight sequence in the, in the ship between Gamora. Is that what you're talking about? 
Uh, yeah, when when the when the war pig fights uh, Adam Warlock. Oh yes, okay, and, yeah, 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 and that also felt a little strange to me that High Evolutionary didn't have Rocket in um, their custody, but was still blowing up the planet. It felt a little bit like you're assuming he's gonna make it off this planet. You might blow up the one specimen you're trying so desperately to keep. So there was like a little for me that part of the movie just like dragged a little bit but mm. it's also been but there's also i don't know there's also parts of iron man that i'm not super keen on but they're shorter parts just because i feel like the movie is shorter maybe i just remember the, it being shorter the weakest part of iron man i don't know if you agree but for me it was the ending right like you could you could yeah. chop off the entire ending sequence of iron yes. man i'd be fine 100 yeah yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree um so for me iron man's i don't know it's tough. Uh, I'm okay with I'm I'm okay with eight, nine, or ten. I still like Avengers a, a, more. I'll say that. But now that I'm sitting thinking about it, I'm wondering if I like Avengers more than Iron Man, which is a completely different conversation to have. Right. You know? That's the so end of the I year. Well, I mean, that's why we're doing the watch through. Yeah, we've got yeah. the rewatch, and yeah. yeah, yeah, we got the end of the so year it, thing. Yeah. The only reason I bring it up is like because that is hard for me to rank this because I probably sounds hypocritical to say that I don't think it's better than Avengers, but maybe it's better than Iron Man. But the nature of these lists dictates that that can be true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Will let me ask you guys this: Is this the most emotional slash best emotional payoff? And if not, where does it rank behind Endgame or ahead of Endgame? Is is really, I guess, the question there. Like, and and does that oh, way uh, for Endga- the film? Endgame's much more emotional. Endgame yeah. for me is a much more emotional yeah. film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But is there anything no, ahead of that in the MCU, or is this right behind, is like this right behind Endgame, or is there another film? That takes its place. I mean, like, like, and this is, uh, this is like, if you leave, like, the problem is, is like, Captain America: Winter Soldier is like a phenomenal spy thriller. It's so good from start to finish. It is like, but it's not the same genre, and it's not the same story beats, and it's a, enti- it's just like Iron Man again, where Iron Man is a literal origin story of a character. It's tough. We're like in the tough. We're in the thick of it right now because there's some shit here that like it's impossible to. I, I mean, really, I would say that truly... the first Guardians is more emotion for me. It was more emotional than this one. Really? Um. Yeah, the scene where Peter Quill's mom dies was like that, you're right. It does open up right pretty. In the, beginning. the scene at the end where they and all then, hold hands and vaporize the bad guy also. Say, real good when Groot sacrifices himself i remember crying that was probably one of the first mm-hmm. marvel movies like i really cried during was when groot uh makes that barrier around all of them and they're surrounded by yeah. the lights and you truly think he's dead i was sobbing i was like ugly crying because i was so sure that motherfucker was dead and i like could not handle it and then you just yeah, see I honestly Rocky pick up the little stick i was just like oh but just the, yeah, the, 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 like, the that moment of them all like with the lights and like realizing what he's done for them, I was like, this might be like one of the best superhero moments like I've ever seen. Is a fucking tree weaving a basket about uh, around plus, a bunch of fuckers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Plus, it did something that not a lot of movies in the MCU do well, which is it also did the mandate right. of we must push the future content, and it was a movie that had Thanos in it and set up Thanos. In a way 
that by the end he was like, fine, I'll do it myself. And you're like, oh shit. And there's very few times where that payoff happens where you're like, whoa, they actually weaved in Thanos well because they had to weave in his two daughters. And so I think it's yeah, the first Guardians movie is great. So I don't I don't know if they nailed that. Okay. So democratically, it's somewhere between seven, eight, nine. Because I can't beat yep. you guys on six, because you guys roll out that. Me and Jesse both said it's better than Avengers, so it's seven or eight. Well, why can't it be nine? Because that would push Avengers to ten. It, that's true. I guess, I guess you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could, it could be one better yeah. than Avengers. If it's not better than Iron Man I, or Homecoming. I say we leave it at nine pending... A rewatch through of Iron Man because I want to like, fr- but we can't I, I, stop because we, what's going to, I mean, we are no, going to end up happening is when we get there, we're going to watch this movie and then the immediately aftermath is watch Iron Man. And so we're going to see them back to back and then we'll have our answer because right. I think we, you know, we both, we, we see Iron Man. Cause when I think of Iron Man, I think of how much, not only is it rewatchable for me, but how much I enjoy watching him just like in that cave just Tony Stark it up like that shit is super fun. And I, I want to know, because I also agree with JP. I think the second half of the movie is not nearly as good as the first. No. Like when he actually becomes Iron Man, it's fun watching like him testing and him like spraying himself and being goofy. That shit's great. But the minute he's like, I got to go take on the giant other Iron Man guy. It's like, it's all right. It's okay. It's it's not like well, the a, best. There's a part where like I feel like the movie should have ended. And <laughs> I think when even we were talking about Iron Man, I like said, Well, it's because like he is a genius. It's not just the money and the resources. And so the thing that defeats him in the beginning, which is his suit getting heavy with ice and him falling, that failure and learning experience is how he defeats his greatest enemy. And then Jesse sure. were like, except it's not. Cause that guy comes back and I was like, he immediately oh comes back God, alive. Right. Yeah. And that, and, and, he, and that, when you reminded me of that, it was like a recovered, like I had willfully deleted that from my brain or I yeah. turn off the movie at that part. I don't know how to describe it. Cause I was like, you're right. They had the perfect ending and then they kept going. They, they kept have to have going. a fight over the arc reactor and the arc reactor. And then pepper has to have a moment where she like, computerizes some shit it's the last bit of that movie is just not as good as the rest of it and i think that it says a lot that when i rewatch it i will rewatch the first hour of that movie as much as you want i love the first Mm -hmm. hour of that film it's so good good. but that's also how i feel about captain america captain america before he goes off into the field and does captain america shit when it's just like him and he's talking to like stanley tucci and stanley tucci's like you have to be a good man i'm like i love all of this I want to see him train. I want to see him like do the Captain America, like all that's fun. And then at the end, when it's like he drives through with the car, and I'm like, all right. Then I've yeah. I've rewatched that <sighs> okay. film. Okay, I, I would. Uh, we're gonna go to bat for that to be a little higher. I think I think rewatched that film recently, but and what, then Captain Ragnarok, America, the original. Oh. Yeah, the original. Yeah, yeah. The the end for and me. I think like up. Ragnarok is like I I know I fought for it hard to be that high. Yeah, but it, it was in my defense. It was the first time we really got a dope ass villain, like in a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like I I loved 
I loved Hella and and the the opening of that movie with him going around in circles while being tied up and the power metal. Very good. It felt yeah. like the Thor I had always wanted and was finally getting, and it felt like a love letter to like just all the things that make I, Thor great. I will say this, uh, and this goes outside of the the ranking conversation because I think we're all pretty happy with it at nine. Whoever, and I don't know if there was someone, but if there was, whoever at Marvel made sure that James didn't go like full James Gunn with this film. Cause I like, I think he did, but I don't think he went full on like Taika did with Thor love and thunder. Whoever's responsible yeah. for that needs to be on every film set forward because yeah. it like, it felt like they needed to, to sell be on James multiverse Gunn. of madness. Totally. Oh yes. The same could be said for Raimi. Multiverse of madness. That film yeah. was too Raimi. Because Raimi was too Raimi. It was too Raimi and, and love and thunder. Yeah. He was too much Taika. Do you think yeah. that this is so, I'm not sure if you're aware of the tale of Andor for star Wars, which by the way, again, best star Wars content in years. Yeah, go watch it. But I agree. The tale of Andor is that executives and all the people who were like, you know, involved were so focused on Obi-Wan because that was the winner, right? That was the one everyone's going to love that all the oh, meddling and insane going. shit happened in Obi-Wan and they let the creatives make Andor. And I wonder if that's kind of like some of the things that happen in Marvel I where mean, we've all been some on people try to get involved right? with Ant-Man. Yeah. You think they focused sure on Ant-Man? we've all been on projects where they're like, we we want to do this sponsored project. We want to do the stream and we're going to give you 3000 notes. And a lot of creatives are like, yo, if you just cut us the check and leave, just left us alone, we'd probably get more views. Like all this stuff yeah. that you're doing is just making the content worse, you yeah. know? But, but, the, and, and so what I'm saying is like, Obi-Wan in this case, and or turned out amazing and Obi-Wan, they could have cut half those episodes. Yeah. Just give me but, the final fight scene and that's it. Yeah. And I think, <laughs> I wonder if in this case, because they had so much happening at Marvel where they were doing all these TV shows and all of these movies that the executives and all the big wigs are focusing on only a few of them and letting the creatives run wild with the other stuff. And sometimes we get things like Loki, which is amazing. And sometimes we get things like multiverse of madness, which is like super Raimi or love and thunder, which is, you know, very Taika. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And it makes me feel like maybe we should get back to the, it takes a while for movies to come out and they aren't just pounding them out. And they're just like, someone's there to rein the whole thing in. Even if sometimes it's not the best because you want the creatives to be able to create, but sometimes if you let them off the leash, they bite people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It could be the case. I mean, they could have been like, Hey, look, we're going to give James his final movie. He's going to the DC. You like, we'll let it be what it is. And then, you know, this can't come out. And, and now they're just like, Hey, go check out this fantastic movie from James Gunn real quick. <laughs> Try to say his name, like as quiet as possible and as fast as possible. Um, mm -hmm. Even though I don't think that like there is, but there isn't that much animosity, I think towards the, the DCU and the MCU. I think that's more fan pushed, uh, like a fan pushed narrative than it is. I mean, an actual again, narrative. Let's not forget but, that they fired the man. They did fire him. And, and like in a lot of ways, this, I could totally see him at the end of the day, you know, drinking like a whiskey and just being like, fuck you, Marvel. 
All right, I put out a fucking banger, <laughs> and now a I'm lot out. of writers. Now I'm done. Hop back and forth too, like yeah. some some of the greats, you know, like like Hickman and and yep. um, Reminder. Like you you see writers uh, hop between publishers all the time. Sure. And so, to me, I'm like, that's why we get some really great comics from both camps. Now we got to get the movies mm-hmm. on that same page. The people that are making the blueprints for these movies go back and forth between camps all the time. So now we need the the studios to do that as well. Because yeah. there's no re I don't think there's any reason you can't write or direct a Marvel movie and a DC one because I'm gonna keep it a buck. Real comic book fans, we love both. <laughs> like sure. people that are so married to one or the other, like they're they're a brand fanboy. Like if, if you yeah. Talk to like real comic book fans, like read Dark Horse, read Image, read all kinds you read all of, the stuff. Of, yeah. You know, you have different stuff everything. on your polls so, every Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so the, even though the publishers might be competing, I, I don't understand like why um, the, the writers don't, the creatives don't. That's like between the publishers. You know what I mean? Right. So. Right. Well, if anything that we've learned from the Guardians trilogy is that James Gunn at least cares enough to make stuff retroactively make sense or canonical or to, so if anything, that's good news for someone trying to set up a franchise. You know what I mean? Like the idea that he's going to hopefully find the things that make sense and pick at them and keep those threads going and then return to things if it makes sense. Cause that's clearly, this movie was a bunch of that. Like we're yeah. going to go back to things. We're going to hit on things and make other things make sense. And in theory, that's how you do. And hopefully fix the problems with the DC cinematic universe. Yep. Yeah. Cause that, cause they didn't do any of that shit. Yeah. <laughs> Just, someone said, Hi, let's mom. keep going. <clears throat> Hi, I think, uh, Hi. <laughs> <laughs> yes. nice. nice. He was in a, uh, James was talking about um, the what? What is the new Superman film called? Superman Homecoming? No, super, I forget. Whatever, whatever it's called. And uh, an interviewer asked him and said uh, there was a rumor that uh, Superman Legacy. He goes, there was a rumor that uh, Chris, who's sitting next to him, is going to play Crypto in the new film. And James was like, "You want to play Crypto?" And he goes, I, I guess, who's Crypto? And he goes, oh, Crypto's Superman's dog. He's like a Kryptonian dog. He goes, you want me to voice that? And he goes like, yeah, if you want to. And then the, the it goes back to the interview and he goes, did I just get a scoop? And he goes, yeah, I guess he did. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know if that's, I like, I wonder if that's where they're going with Superman. Is they're going to go that wild right out of the if gate? If they wanted to have like a good goof, he should have been like, no, no, live action. <laughs> like, we want to dress you in a dog suit. I'd be like... Yes, let's do this. Yeah, yeah. Arf, so. arf, it's me, Crypto. Jesus. I'd be like, yes, Jesus. this is so weird. Yeah, that that was like a super, one of the most asked questions of James is like, who are you going to take with you to be in the DCU? And someone asked, is there someone in Guardians that will be in Superman? And he said, yes. So like, sure, he's already sure. pulling people from that. It's probably his brother 
or his wife. <laughs> it's 100% his brother. His brother's in all of his stuff. Yeah. Which is, he's, and this he's great. Like he's actors great do that all the time. Like our directors do that all Nepotism. the time, though. Nepotism. We didn't talk about uh, Sean Gunn at all, but uh, he was awesome in this film with the, with the Yondu thing. It was a very small payoff. Uh, but like the fact that he was able to control the arrow and like he had his moment, that was great. I thought that was that, awesome. like, that was great. But the bit with the bad dog is still the best. Like that was a right, good right. ass bit. Yeah. Good ass bit. Yeah. It all came together. It all came together. Yeah. At the end. So good stuff. Great. I think that's it. I think we're done next week. We're probably doing a show. We got to see what Jesse's up to. Jesse's got some things happening. I'm traveling. I'm coming home. From a long weekend, and we'll see what the streets of LA provide. Yeah, so we'll let you guys know, like as the week goes on, Jesse's gonna try and investigate a little bit more about timing. Um, but if we don't do a show next week, I'm fairly certain that the fifth or sorry, the twenty second, we will all be back and we'll watch the first Thor. Thor one. Thor one are now twenty nine. Thor one the first time we see Hawkeye two? Yeah, yeah, he's he's watching over the uh, the pit. There is Hawkeye. Interesting. Yeah, he's I wonder time. if I'll enjoy it. I can't. I haven't watched Thor one in a long time. Uh, the beginning is great. The end, you go back to the cafe a lot, and it starts to get a little bit like ridiculous. So, yeah. Also, in retrospect, now that I'm thinking about it. There's no way that this film's better than Iron Man because Iron Man had Agent Coulson, which means that we got Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because of Iron Man. Thus, Iron Man is number one. Show's over, guys. Let's go. It's the show's reached its natural conclusion. As, as soon as Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is mentioned, it's time to sign off. I am that bronze girl. You can find me everywhere. <laughs> that was seamless, JP. You knew I was going to do it. You can find me everywhere at that bronze girl. Um, I'm, uh, I'm in LA right now, uh, working on some stuff, hanging out with my mom. But, uh, as soon as I can figure out how to get this doc working, I'm going to try to maybe get some streams in on the Xbox. So that's me. Jesse Cox. You know what? Jesse fair. That's fair. I am so tired of agents of shield. I never want to hear that name again. In the stupid flying car and the world ending calamities. And I just, I just, I'm over it. I'm so over It's uh, up to here. I, I see flames, flames coming from my eyeballs. And it's driving me crazy. I can't do it anymore. It wasn't a good show, HJP. It wasn't a good show. <laughs>